de, de, de Colores Radio. De, de, de Colores Radio. Hi, hello, bienvenidos. Welcome to De Colores Radio. This is episode 70. We're old AF. We've been on our senior citizenship discount for a minute now. We get cheaper movies. We <laughs> get free lubies. Hey, hey, hey. Um, anyways, how is everyone doing? Thank you all so much for listening. I'm your host, Eva Arreguin. And with me is Mr. Ralphie. Wait, you don't like me to call oh, you that. I do not. I forgot. That's the one I'm not supposed to say. Right. No one is supposed to say that one. Okay, sorry. Um, Rafa... <clears throat> Retweet Rafael Tamayo. Tamayo. <laughs> I didn't even have wine this time. Um, hi, Rafa. How are you? I'm doing well. Are you lying? I am. Okay, great. I love honesty. It's so fun. I don't. I. I don't. <laughs> I get. I get real Mexican when I. <laughs> Go for it. Lean into it, Barry Wood. Hey, what's good? Um, I don't think I've recovered from Thanksgiving. What Thanks happened? taking yet. You get all these days off and you eat all this food. Oh. Damn. Okay. Yeah. Well. I still have heartburn from Thursday. Damn. What were you eating? Yeah. I don't think I got heartburn. I don't really get heartburn. Knock on wood. Mm. And you Mexican? I get it sometimes, but I not feel like often. That's, yeah. Is it a Mexican trait? I think, yeah. Do we come out the womb getting heartburn? I feel like I know that a lot of the women get heartburn when they're pregnant. Maybe it's an Aries thing or a Capricorn moon thing. Okay, go to or hell. Or an Aquarius rising thing. Okay, he knows all his signs now. Okay. Add me on Costa. I was good. And then he won't respond or say anything. It'll or take do me anything. a year to respond Literally. to my messages. Yeah. Um. Anyways. Eva. Wow, he almost forgot. I was gonna keep going. Eva, how are you? Guys, I just want y'all to know this is the third time in the history. Of the Colores Radio and in my life that a man has asked me how oh I'm doing. Oh my God. I don't know if he means it, but it is a rare occurrence. <laughs> I'm sweating for real now, Z. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm doing, I'm actually feeling all right. I've had some good conversations in the last few days. So I'm feeling, though a little frustrated and conflicted in a lot of ways, I'm processing it. And you'll probably hear more about that in Self Care Corner. Cool. Um, yeah, so I'm all right. Um, anyways, Rafa, what? What's uh, really going on? It's been a while, and I feel like I don't really know your life anymore. What you're going through. What's your internal temperature? And I want to give our listeners an insight into our personal energy, into how we are feeling right now, into the reality of our existence. That's right. We're translating our feelings in the best way we know how. Memes. It's time for Mimi Mood. So, um, damn it. I just had it pulled up. Ding. <laughs> Don't ding me. Ding. I ding myself. Ding. <laughs> I need to find mine too. Go ahead. Um, I, I just had it pulled up and I don't know where it is. Um, but it was the, the one... Um, where the guy is at his table by himself and he's like, this was the best friends giving ever. And he's oh by- my 
I did not see that. You didn't? Okay, let me find it then. But it's just funny because he looks all sad. Um, and so that's not how my Friendsgivings yeah, went. Okay, dang. He had plural. Mira bien, popular. Oh my God, no. My Friendsgivings I, I, went because I'm a bad bitch. Stop. Um, but you're I, not wrong. <clears throat> it's fine. I just... Uh, I don't know. I think it's funny afterwards. I feel like that was me afterwards. Where I'm like, yes, by myself, and this is nice. Um, man, it's really funny. I'll find it and I'll show it to you in a little bit. But that was me. Okay, and I always remember your me moods are because you like the me mood, not because you feel it. So I right. So that one I didn't feel lonely at my friends giving because I didn't have a friends giving, <laughs> but I did go to friends givings. And I'm not saying that I felt alone whilst there. Ew, I cannot stand when he throws these little <laughs> William Shakespeare-ass words. Um. <laughs> Ain't that what that is? Whilst. Uh. What did you say last episode? You did another one of those. I don't did remember. I? Yeah, it's fine, though. Whomst doth thou speakest to? Oh, no, our fair Verona. <laughs> Anyways, what's you your me mood? It. My me mood is this. I don't really feel it, but I just can't get it out of my fucking head. Cut the cameras. Dead ass. <laughs> I don't know why it's so funny to me. It's Black China, I guess. I don't know if it's from a TV show she was on or just an interview or something that happened. Her TV show. Um, she has a TV show currently. Yes, with her mother. Oh, no. That sounds like they Scary. get views, probably. Trauma. Lots of it. Um, lots of trauma. Um, sorry, that's not what I'm talking about right now. But this clip of Black China has been going around on Twitter, and I think it's hilarious because she literally just like makes this, like, don't fuck with me face. And she just says, cut the cameras. Dead ass. And I just keep hearing it in my head, like, throughout my day. Yeah. I, I don't even have a reason to, but I just can't get it out of my head. I think I just appreciate it. Yeah. that much um so that is my me mood for nice. today um last episode we kept it og we mostly kept it between us Ooh, this is sounding real private why did i write it like this the fuck uh, we had a few friends come and say hello and today a little later on we'll be sharing with you all a lovely interview we recorded a few weeks ago with our friend, the brilliant Yadi Guevara from Houston, Texas, baby, um, who came to visit. Thank you. I'm Beyonce. Um, she came to visit us during Jessica's performance, and I kind of met her online, and so we met a few times. I went. To, she used to live in New York. All this stuff. You'll learn all about it. Um, but I was really excited to talk to her and get to know her. Rafa, what do you think? You kind of, I guess, I had met no her. I that that day. Yes. Um and not to say that I don't pay attention to a lot of the interactions we collectively have online, but I'm kind of detached from internet interactions. This is the nice way to put it. Yes. Yeah. So, um I knew of her because of some of the conversations that had come up over time right. between us like in real life. Um so it was nice to put, you know, a face to Yady Bird. But I'm fucking dead. <laughs> that is her literal Twitter. That's so but, cute. That was cute. But get cute. I felt like, man, that conversation was so dope. It was. And her story is like such a really like powerful, impactful story. I, I felt so good after speaking to her. It was really cool. And yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to have met her and talked to her. Oh yeah. wow! 
we love a heartfelt Raphael. I almost called okay, you. Okay, back wrong to the bullshit. Eh, no friends giving lonely <laughs> ass, motherfucker. Um, anyway, shout out to Yadi. Y'all will hear that interview um, a little bit later. However, I don't know if you've noticed, we have some friends with us today. You might have heard one of them who's been on the show a few times. A dear friend of ours, uh, the lovely Shanice Condren, is back with us to discuss one of our juice topics. And then I also want to introduce a darling, a dear friend of mine who I've known now for six years. Six plus years going. Wow. Good job, friend. Um, (laughs) We, um, uh, German Torres, Herman Torres. Herman Torres, if you could roll them R's. Hey, roll them, roll them. We got the double R's in our names. What's good? Um, Wow. What does that mean? Are we icons? We've been like testing white supremacy since day one. Okay. Um, sorry. I'm sorry. Y'all. <laughs> I'm not that sorry. Um, anyways, I'm very excited to have you both with us because um, we're talking about some fun stuff. German, I've always wanted to have on forever and ever, and his name would come up all the time. I'd just be hiding. Yes. And it just hasn't happened yet. So when he like hit me up to hang his friends, I was like, just come on. Just come the fuck in. Cause yeah, I showed up just to eat and now. And here we are. I'm in front of the mic, so. Yes. So tell us a little bit about yourself real quick, German, before we jump Uh, into the juice. Uh, And don't be on no bullshit either. No, 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 no. Because you ain't be trying to talk sometimes. I'll be like, I'll be (laughs) hyping him up. And he's like, whatever. Yeah, I did that. (laughs) It's just in my nature to be very mellow, very chill about that stuff. But uh, so I'm a video director, cinematographer here in Dallas. Originally from Funky Town. Hey, what's up? A lot of people just, I guess, immediately assume I'm from Dallas, which is dope because when I'm outside of texas it's hard to tell people i'm from fort worth because yeah. they're like where's that and uh-huh. i'm like well shit d-town what's up yeah that's the i gotta rep way. it you know mm-hmm. but i'm that from funky town yes from the funk but yeah that's what i do i'm a video director cinematographer uh photographer really just anything media related but i'm what have you in, done what kind I'm of stuff more what does that even mean storytelling <laughs> aspect of it all than anything um but yeah, me and Eva connected in college, uh, wow. as well as Pat, and ever since then we've been good friends. Yeah, yeah, it's been super dope. Um, yeah, we were literally like I think in the first intro classes we did like at least five six classes together, and I didn't know you know you until like junior year maybe because yeah. we knew of each other. We were sitting in same similar classes, and then finally we were in that one writing class together, and I think that's when we really like. Clicked. Yeah, we had a project together, which is cool. In writing uh, class, you said like horseback. Riding? Writing? Yeah, like yeah. Uh, ride or die, mm-hmm. Meg the Stallion type uh, okay. shit. Yeah, yeah. At UNT, Rider, they teach uh, you how to ride. Rough riders, DMX. Rough riders, yeah, Jaguar. absolutely. All the kind of riders that you could think of, we studied that in Eve. school. What happened? Whatever happened to Eve? Um. Anyway, she got the titties on her. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the paws on her titties, and then she married a billionaire. Oh, so okay. she's so she living did. her best Man, life. Some moves right there. Yeah. Anyways, sorry. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that escalated. Um. No. Yeah. We. So. We, yeah. That's. Uh, interesting because yeah I definitely remember seeing you way before then but and he always had an orange beanie (laughs) yeah it's one of those things where you notice like um, especially in institutions like that like you notice all the people of color yes and so I'm like oh there it goes (laughs) the other you know person person. of Latin (laughs) so descent that's true that's how it goes, but I'm glad we connected and been Aww. friends. Yeah, no, for real though. But I also I can hype you up later. But since we're already kind of here, um, he's also one of the few men that I've connected with that like I feel like is down. 
because you know how I'm it is out shits. here. Yeah, um, but like there was a lot of things I was discovering at that time too with my identity and feminism and the patriarchy and wh- like all these things. You've kind of been there throughout that process as well. And I know you were learning, we were learning alongside each other with like how these systems worked and weren't working and were built, um, you know, not really for us and all these things. So it's been really cool to see one another bloom and like support each other. Yeah, definitely college was um, a time of unlearning. Uh-huh. mainly so you caught me at a really good time <laughs> which yeah, is great you know sure. but that's where it was beautiful right yeah. because we were still honest and vulnerable about it yeah. and saying like i he would be like i'm a i have a lot of man mm-hmm. masculine traits and they're toxic and i was like that's understandable like mm-hmm. now you have to undo that right yeah no no yeah it's literally just understand like learn learning to unlearn mm-hmm. and then realizing like yo I've just been so, uh, what is the right word? Like, it's the subconscious that I didn't know I was either doing or like just as a man or with masculine traits, like Mm -hmm. things that um, by their, uh, by like almost like the social nature was not good, like Mm -hmm. not great, meaning, yeah, the patriarchy, like for instance, like being in, in in a classroom setting always having more of a voice than uh like a female or somebody non-male just because it's kind of it's you know it's i don't want to go too deep into that conversation but definitely i was realizing oh uh like for instance when i'm talking about people of color i'm like oh my other latina counterparts latinx counterparts like if they're female their voices being less heard than mine's, <laughs> even though both of us are kind of in the same boat. But right. with my male privilege, I have way more, or not way more to say, but there's way more people taking me as like a more credible uh, voice than them just because of that fact. And I didn't, I never mm. thought of that. I didn't, I just didn't ever think of that up until like college. And now I don't think I was ever very like hyper masculine to begin with. You weren't. But in college it like it's just like it was more of me unlearning and then learning that oh but there's there's a lot of other men in my family that have been Mm -hmm. and so it's like trying not to follow in those footsteps trying to go the other way and Mm -hmm. figure it out that's my kink listening to a man but yeah (laughs) (laughs) no but unlearn and relearn oh it turns me on (laughs) german what you doing after this porn hub man discussing patriarchy i will say too it's become like um difficulty in conversation with other dudes to try to explain this and it's like we'll have the convos but i'm like man this shit really does make sense that sometimes i can't i can't put this in other guys heads i'm like damn bro i'm confused really that shit don't issue. make i don't know what you're talking about bro what the fuck <laughs> he's Rafa, trying so Rafa's hard with shit, so you know let me saying. let you me know, try so, yeah let me try. Oh, okay go ahead buddy sorry please no, I'm kidding. Continue. I'm, kidding. I'm like surrounded by like the two Latino men that support me in the world. Yeah, no, that shit's just real. Kidding. I'm just like, kidding. I know I, there's like three. Yeah, that, that shit. That shit is very, very real. And sorry to the listeners out there who I cuss all the time. I need do to not be sorry. They know who bit, we are. Um, I'm out here. Yeah. You guys are great friends of mine, so I'm glad to be here. 
brag about yourself a little bit more. Who have you worked with? Because you're not going to hype yourself. <clears throat> and you should. I've been saying this since I met him. And I've been telling every Anytime I introduce him. And you could prove me wrong. But I tell everybody this is the best cinematographer in Dallas. I tell everybody hey, that. Sam. Because you easily are. And he's been making it look easy. And people try to do it like him. And he's not there. Nobody can. And you're so humble and genuine and passionate about what you do. And you have a particular vision. And you're so dedicated that like people fuck with you and it's easy to and like that's so easy to ignore nowadays to some degree but also not at all right because Mm -hmm. it is so rare to come by especially in like the entertainment industry um but he's worked with some big timers so go ahead i mean i I don't even want to give any names specifically i just i built a good rapport with well i've first of all gotten opportunities and then built a good rapport with like big brands and like jameson and things like that mm-hmm. with like just yeah it's, it's one of those things it's just i don't really like to put so for instance um like i work with like music promoters mm-hmm. and other people in the music business and commercial side of things where uh, i could get like a pass to go shoot with like j cole mm-hmm. or um shoot a music video with the homie of mine bobby sessions here in mm-hmm. dallas uh, who's signed by def jam and it's like each one of these opportunities like stem from like yeah just doing work. like just work how's yeah. it work? working and just trying they to might be not as, see you but they yeah. see you and trying to be as humble as possible so um and that's one thing i had to shout out my homie bobby too because it's it's a lot of instances where you could give a super big name like a j cole mm-hmm. but bobby sessions in my head like there's there's several artists like that um uh that i've worked with and then when i'm working with them i go wow this is like this is early this is still very early, like uh, a few more years from now, that name's going to like ring way, way, mm-hmm. way bigger, way louder. But yeah, just things like that, built rapport with other like filmmakers, agencies, creatives, other kind of talent. And uh, yeah, I'm just able to, I'm grateful to be able to do my thing and keep doing that. And as you can hear, I'm not, I'm not very good you're at not, doing you're this. You're not, you're not. I and wish I had the list of all I the people. I, I should have made you send me something. Yeah, I don't. I don't really have. I know you did Tay Money recently, who's considered a big oh, deal yeah, to sure, a lot yeah. of people. I've been yeah. in one of his music videos. I just want to throw that out. Oh yes, and you recently shot Santa Cecilia. Ce- not Santa Cecilia. Jesus Christ, Chicano oh, Batman. Oh, That's yeah. so sad. Why did I say yeah. that? I I don't know what I was thinking. But he shoots a lot of dope people, lots of dope creatives and artists. Yeah, I w- He's El Chivo de Dallas. He is. Hey, that's that's your new sub. name. Yeah, a, We're going to put it on a jacket for you. No, no. I All right. So there's a ton of people. Chicano Batman was a recent uh, band that I did photograph. Uh, photograph. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, say uh, that word. But <laughs> it, it's like that was enjoyable. Yeah. That was very enjoyable. I, I always want to know the tea. I'm like, who ain't shit? Tell me. <laughs> no, Chicano Batman, they're fire. They're dope to hang with. That's that's usually what does it for me is if I go and I like work somewhere, I work I either take photos or do a video for somebody. Um you won't hear me talking or bragging about it too much unless they're really cool people. Mm-hmm. Chicano Batman, they were really cool. I got to hang out with them the whole day and it felt like family rather Aww. than just like a one-time deal hey see you later like here's a paycheck or whatever yeah business so yeah transaction well cool i'm out here we're glad to have you here we're glad to know you and now we can jump in to the juice are you ready kids wow nobody answered again it's fine 
Um, Be ready. This is the juice where we cover the latest gossip on pop culture, politics, news, and more. All right. So our lovely friends here can chime in during the Hugito. Um, I wasn't like deeply affected by this, but I know it's news. And I do think um, Julian Castro was right that there is a double standard kind of set up for this person. Um, Kamala? Kamala? I've heard a few different things. Yeah, I've heard Kamala, yes. Kamala. I think it's Kamala Harris. And I didn't know she was half um, Indian. I I don't know if I don't know what she is. I know she's black and she's like Indian or some or some sort of I believe Southeast South Asian because I watched a video of her and Mindy Kaling making Indian food. Oh, and it was actually entertaining as hell. I was like, damn, am I about to vote for a cop? Uh, <laughs> but then she dropped out of the race a few days later. I think her one of her lead people dropped late last week. And so this happened a few days later. So that was kind of interesting. Um, there's too many fucking people in that race. And there's still a bunch of old white men joining the race. And I'm just not um, interested in this influx of people to be honest so it didn't phase me too much however i think um for sure as a black woman candidate running for president she was definitely facing some different shit than obviously 20 other counterparts i didn't care that much about her campaign personally so yeah i don't know about that she was there was just so many things that came out about her in the beginning and her policies and things like that. And it's so hard to, and the track record and what she was saying didn't add up. It's just difficult with that because you don't know, like, you know that there's a double standard, but also when things line up, it's difficult. Like you're like, well, the double standards there, but also the truths are, right. You've been very problematic and harmful to communities that, um, you are now trying to get to endorse you. Right. Um, so, the irony of it all. Mm-hmm. All right. Rafa, do you have anything to add? No. Thank you so much for your insight. Um, on, I was about to say better black woman news. That's bad. I shouldn't say that, huh? Um, I would accept that. Okay. I'll say it. A black woman is saying, in better black woman news. <laughs> uh, this situation was interesting to hear about. I always knew I loved Gabrielle Union. I always she's like one of my major top bitches like I have said that for a long time I really fuck with her she is she's up there um so when I heard this story about how I guess she called out Jay Leno for being racist towards Asian people for something he said um and then she got fired from America's Got Talent and then this information I guess came out I don't know how long after this happened um so it was just really it's not surprising she was also complaining about other things yes there were other things as well but that was like the tipping point i guess and then Mm -hmm. she got fired after that Mm -hmm. um i think she's a bad bitch i love her i appreciate her i appreciate Dwayne wade what did she get fired for because they just said that i guess she was creating a ruckus and so the i well i'm i'm just saying because if listeners don't know the story a lot of people came to her defense. Mm-hmm. And so she was talking about some things behind the scenes mm-hmm. 
that sort of kind of are just now coming to light. Like Simon Cowell kept smoking on set, which was against the law, actually. And even the fire marshal had came a few times. Um, but he was smoking I didn't know like, all those on, off the side. Like, while you know how there's like three of them like sitting, like he would mm-hmm. be smoking cigarettes in between breaks. And um, she had mentioned that. Also, he would smoke in the stairwells. He would smoke, like he was, sm- he's like- My guy could not go outside. No, well, didn't want to. And I think that like shows like, again- that nasty, toxic, white cis male privilege, right? Yeah. That like you can be in a space, the fire marshal comes and even like has a conversation and still they proceed. You with, got away with whatever mm-hmm. shit you wanted. Yeah. <sighs> but her mans came to her defense and then. A lot of people did. A lot of people yeah, did. Yeah, that's really cool. But there, and there's so much more, there's not enough of that happening. Mm-hmm. And that's why this is such a big deal because she's one of the few that really, you know, is kind of becoming the face of it to some degree. Yeah. Like even with all the Weinstein stuff a few years ago, like that was such a huge deal because everybody knew this was a thing and everybody stayed away from him. But it's like, it was still happening because in Hollywood, we want to keep it hush hush to make everything nice and friendly and just get our money and go. And like, it's such a toxic environment. So for her to kind of carry the weight of all this is a lot. Um, but obviously I tip my hat off to her and even her. Okay. So I love seeing their family and Dwayne Wade has like, a, you know, like, um, I guess what's the best way to describe his child athlete. No, I mean, he has an athlete for a son. I know one of his sons is like a big basketball player, but the youngest, well, I don't know if he's, well, he's the youngest before, son. Before Zion, the daughter, yeah. Um, is now, and I, people are saying son, and honestly, like as a queer person, I'm like, well, I don't know. Zion That's what I'm has, saying, like, child, they haven't said, Yeah, child. they haven't said, you know, who, what Zion identifies as, um, but they're just out here with so their little cute. nails With on. their nails and their heels, and, and they're just living their best life. Next to Dwayne's fine ass. <laughs> More when you got a fine daddy, you that. can do whatever. Oh, and a fine the mama. Mama. Yeah, but I mean, when your daddy's like, that's that's but my kid. The thing I find so fascinating, <laughs> I don't know if we've talked about um, is EJ and Magic. Um, mm. I, I, that's a very similar, um, yeah. you know, dynamic and these really like superhero athletes that people are obsessed with, which basically would be the image of like hetero cis, um, you know, male and masculinity and toughness and strength. They have like very femme, I'll say mm. sons and, um, black sons at that. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's another layer of, of this, like all these things and they're just letting them be them mm-hmm. and it's beautiful and not just to letting see them be, like and celebrating participating them. Yeah, in for these sure. things which is like the best part to me is like seeing um and Dwayne said like after they posted that thanksgiving picture like i was chosen to lead my house mm-hmm. you know and mm-hmm. it like it just that what can you say after that like when somebody is like that is great say what you want like but yeah. i was chosen to lead this family and th- this is d- the decision that i'm making versus just like resorting to the mom or the like matriarch which is normally the one that's you know the first one to accept things right. and you know and then it's like well, or even then so like still leaning and- on the patriarchal mm-hmm. side even though the the matriarch is leading a lot mm-hmm. of ways i don't know it's so interesting to see so and the brothers like the whole family yeah. is is involved and is wearing the t-shirts and was on the pride float and just all those things i'm like that 
Zion is going to, of course, still face things, right? Because right. Instagram is still a thing and people are still mm-hmm. being really nasty and malicious. Yeah. But it's like when you really have the support of your family, like and the people that really ride with you, like it's like he's going to have this completely different experience than a lot of other like queer mm-hmm. identifying children do. You Absolutely. Know? Um, do our men have anything to say? I don't even want to ask. Y'all feel free to chime in. I was, um, I think that's incredible. I was still stuck on the like NBC bullshit. Okay, um, go for it. It was Get just, into it. It just makes me upset. Like you were, you brought up the whole Weinstein thing, mm-hmm. and um, and people at NBC are quick to make a statement about why they let someone like Gabrielle Union go, and for years they'll still keep this toxic culture alive. Absolutely. For you know the reasons that be and. I just I I hate that I hate it. Yeah, that's it. I'm just not in the loop, so I'm just kicking back. Like, huh, huh, this happening? Well, yeah, I didn't know this happening. For sure. No, it's super interesting to de- to see, and I think we can actually talk about it a little bit more. Um, not with the next topic because I'm gonna let y'all discuss this. Hopefully, y'all don't say any spoilers because I haven't seen it. Ooh. But I'm tough. gonna let y'all get onto the mic. Who's y'all? Um, this is heavy. Pat and Shanice and Rafa were talking about the Watchmen a little bit. Maybe Watchmen. <laughs> Y'all go for it. I I have I haven't seen. It. I have nothing to say really. Um, I don't know. Where do we Where do we even start? The year is 2019. <laughs> <laughs> so it's very interesting because Watchmen the series starts with the Tulsa race riots. I know that much. Okay, I just didn't. I didn't want so to. dramatic. Black <laughs> Wall Street. Um, man, but it's so interesting. So it goes into like, what if things went a little bit differently? And the president is this uh, Robert Redford. And so um, basically it talks about how things would have panned out. Um, and it kind of like if you don't really get into it, it's hard to appreciate the story and the narratives that are being woven into this like make-believe uh, universe. Um, I'm trying to not I know, I'm talk like, spoiler, not... but um, for one, Regi- oh gosh, there's so no, you're fine. It's it, it, it's um, like I feel like within the last two or three episodes, I'm just now starting to feel the power of this series mm-hmm. and. Like, it's fucking powerful. It feels like an alternate universe rooted in, like, a very real reality. Like, yes. it's, it's weird because it is very um, on, words. majestic, right? Like, it's yes. very, like, yes. oh, it's, it's very, like, an alternate universe. But at the same time, there are so many things that it's like, hmm, if this would have just went this way, you know, like, if things, if history would have went this way. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's okay to, to lead with a little bit more of the plot without giving things away. Yeah, I want to so, know why I should watch. Okay, so the year is 2019. No, <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm here for it. Let's go. In Tulsa, Oklahoma. And um, basically what happens is She's an IMDb writer. Yes. Yes. Rotten Tomatoes. No. No. Um, They're... um, Basically, the police force is mostly black, and they are fighting a white supremacist group, like a newly emerged white supremacist group. Called the Calvary. Called the Calvary. And they have the cavalry has rocked the police force so much because Tulsa was 
a black town after that. So basically right. what happened, it kind of goes left from what we know. Right, you know, the actual historical. Um, and Tulsa was thriving and very, very black. And um, this group comes in and tries to, of course, do what they do best and, you know, cause some issues. And so, I don't know, it's very complex because it deals with police and, like, what what the value is there. And then also... Um, this white supremacy group that's targeting a mostly black and brown police force at this point. And then there's vigilantes that work with the police um, to kind of help take this, this force down. But that's, that is very, I feel like a very, um, even vague yeah. kind of description of what happens yeah. in the show. But if that gives That's you more any... than I knew, and I, I obviously already wanted to watch it. I just, you mm-hmm. know, for everybody out so there. So Regina King is a, a badass superhero, super bitch, uh, sister night. Mm-hmm. And um, she, at first I was a little nervous about her being an executive producer and an actress on like, and like the main actress. Cause sometimes when it's the EP yeah. and they're the lead role, it like, just uh... kind of gets, but I feel like the show is very balanced. Like she did a really good job of like really getting in that character and like allowing that to be not, it, it's a big part of the show, but the other actors and like the other castmates to me are just, it's brilliant. I, yeah. I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. I'm really, really enjoying it. And just the the themes, the things that are being brought up, like it really causes you to think um, and also question. Like it talked about generational trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. how that affects you, wow. which I was like, whoa, like yeah. the way that they'd like, did the storyline to ind- include that was in a way that it wasn't like, like, oh, look, they're suffering from it. It's like, no, look, because like you're going through this, you see that they've like, it's gone to your, from your ancestors to you. And I'm like, what? Yeah. And that's what I, I like the acorn and mm-hmm. the tree and all of these things that kind of connect what people's, you know, family tree looks like and, and what their story is. Um, little details like that mm-hmm. make it, make it really cool. Am I gonna, yeah. Can I be a nerd and just be like the sound? The soundtrack's actually really cool. Yeah, the music is yes, good. Yes, yeah. Atticus Ross and yeah. Trent Reznor no, did, did it. Yeah. But it's like, it's a good spooky. Yeah. So, it yeah. keeps you. I mean, I'm not a sci-fi bitch. I'm not somebody like I'm not even like every now and then I'll watch an X-Men because I want to see like an X-Men. Yeah, I mean, one X-Men. Yeah, just one at a time. Um, it's on Disney Plus. But it is. If anybody wants to give me their login, let me know. Um, but you got it, Rafa. Okay, I got you. Um, but yeah, I just I feel like. HBO is really stepping their game up with these shows. And also you can tell that people are getting like some of the themes in this show. I'm like, wow, they really are letting y'all get bold with with a lot of the messaging and a lot of, I mean, it's all, it's again, based in reality. Like these are are truths that they're telling. Of course it's in this fantasy world, but um, I feel really represented by that show. They're very very, clever with the way mm -hmm. they've crafted this. Pat and I talked about it after the first or second episode. They they lost all these viewers because they were pissed off. They were like, wait, Watchmen? Like like, white nerds? Yeah, like why are y'all talking about this? Mm -hmm. Don't ruin the... the Yeah, because especially like Rafa and I both had read the comic. Like we were both big fans of the comic book series. So we were like, this is happening. What's going (laughs) to happen? Because a lot of people didn't like the movie. Yeah. And we both were like, we like the movie. And so even I this, I had no like, idea it was a movie. Yeah. So even seeing this, movie. like, it the has one like with the purple dick, Doctor Manhattan. Yes, <laughs> he's not purple. He's not purple. He's blue. Damn. He got blue dick. <laughs> That's all I remember. Blue balls. <laughs> Literal blue balls. Okay, I remember um, that. Pat went to watch in theaters, and she came home, and she's like, "He got a blue dick." <laughs> That's all I remember. That's all that I was told your takeaway, you? Pat. You 
Maybe it was my takeaway. Not my takeaway, but that was apparently what stood out for her. But I didn't watch it. I don't know. I don't know. It's pretty cool. It's kind of interesting to see how they're flipping the characters too, um, yeah. from the comic book. I really like the way that they're changing that up. Um, like I was telling Rafa when we started watching, I was like, uh, Rorschach was kind of my favorite in the comics, Same. and now Every, he's like, like literally really every like- single year, I always talked about how I was gonna make this Rorschach mask for Halloween, and there's no way in hell I'm gonna no, dress up as Rorschach now. The yeah. white supremacists on the show are Rorschach. Yeah, and they, he was literally our favorite character. Yeah. So yeah. Way. So yeah, that's a so, a hot take without giving you all the hot takes. Is it a hot take or is it like a good take? A good take? I, don't, I mean, I feel like a hot take is bad. Is it? I didn't. Think or like it was. you're criticizing something. Mm. Anyways, I have a hot take for you. Uh, no, not really. Kinda. Um, Queen and Slim. So we're. This is gonna have some motherfucking spoilers. So go Fast ahead. Fast forward. Fast forward if you haven't seen the movie. Um, but also trigger warning. Fucking trigger warning. <laughs> which I wish the movie had told me a little bit louder as well. Because I was... Did, was there a warning? No. I'm saying I wish it would have. But I'm saying like obviously you knew it was going to deal with some of these themes because of the preview. Mm-hmm. Um, I was... I don't know why I was like naive to believe that I wasn't going to be damaged after this. Mm. Um, I think I was filled with too much hope. And this is kind of the discussion I had with Shanice a little bit last night because I was like, I need to remember that not everybody is where I am. So I need to quit hoping that they'll be there. Um, So if you haven't seen it, fast forward like five, ten minutes because... Um, and yeah. If your spirit is weary, just don't go see it. Yeah, maybe don't go see it. So, what was everyone's initial reaction to Queen and Slim, which we said was directed by Melina Matsukas and produced and written by Lena Waithe? Wow. Something like that. Ow, it's all a little up in the air right now. Um, yeah, initial reactions, folks, because I know I felt what I feel still immediately. Flea was in the film. <laughs> I loved that part. Yes. That you would funny. say that. You Flea would say that. Flea was in the film. <laughs> oh my God. Give it away. Give it away. Oh my God. Yes. The film. Give away the film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, oh man, it was hard. Like, chest hot, kind of difficult. Uh, yeah, that was a really heavy movie. Yeah. I'm like, I don't heavy. even know what to say right now. Um, and I knew, I, I knew what was going to end. What, what was going to happen but like i wanted to fight for like against that so hard and that's how i know like it's going to hurt because i'm like fuck like if i'm fighting this now i know what's going to happen and i'm I'm too invested in the you know and the way the story it was orchestrated beautifully um and there was a lot of really dope things to take away from it but man it hit so hard yeah i i didn't know i didn't know it was gonna happen i mean i i was as soon as it started i go oh we're jumping into this now that's how i felt yeah and then once we were on that ride right on I was the ride like, on the motherfucking yeah. ride or die i was like okay with my mask off. yeah I, <laughs> with all that social commentary like literally every scene had something for you and i was like oh this is taking it all the way there and so i still didn't know i was like wait maybe maybe there, there's this other option but no like it's heavy throughout the entire time. Yes. And I, I don't think I was ready either. 
So And even with the main characters, like your initial impression is like, oh, oh. And then as the story goes on, you're like, no. Y'all, we already gave a warning. You can tell more than this. Okay. So, yeah. So, <laughs> she's a lawyer. <laughs> yes. And he, he does, you know, like manual labor. Uh, and just the way that they have their first date and have this interaction, this conversation, you almost feel like the type of logic that's implied by that interaction will pan out a certain way with what happens when they shoot this police officer mm. and that's not the case it could never be the case though and that's the thing is like white supremacy and um like it there is no logic like yeah. anything that they would have done in that situation right like he was in his mind like i'm gonna listen i'm gonna you know like he was trying to play it cool which a lot mm-hmm. of people do like and our parents tell us you know mm-hmm. like um and i hear this often black moms are like i told my son how to talk to the police and you know like i tell my son i tell mm-hmm. him you know like this is how you answer this is what you do if you get pulled over like we go through these checklists but when you're dealing with people that literally are and it's like specifically police just in general if we even take white off of it it. and just like these are people that are on edge like we forget like cops be on drugs like on prescription drugs on like these are people that have seen a lot of things that are dealing with their own PTSD like dealing with all of these other factors so logic goes out the window Mm -hmm. when you are even if you're trying to be respectful even if you're trying to you know like um, he smirked uh, nervously at one point and the yeah. officer was like what you smiling at like it yeah. turned into and so it's like the things and those are things that I do often like when I get nervous I'll laugh or when I and get that was very real and yeah and so it was like instantly I mean I, as soon as they got pulled over and we know like they're not very shy about what's going to happen and right like, you we kind of like, knew already we knew, what like, we were getting we into the, yeah the beginning okay he shoots the cop and then they go on the run but from the minute that they got pulled over, instantly my palms were sweating. Like yeah. instantly. And for the rest of the film, that's how I felt. And even in those moments of like joy and and um, beauty, you know, because there were those moments mm-hmm. where it was like, gosh, it's so beautiful. And there were so many profound moments even in the script. It was still like, this is almost like I'm sitting inside of a like a documentary as it's being made right and also like we're being we're falling in love with these characters because there were so many nuances to them and they were ordinary people you know like it was very yeah like that's where where my like commentary in terms of like trying to understand what they set up their characters as and how they were technically how as an audience member you thought that they were going to play out you know the 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 what they did after shooting the police mm-hmm. officer, but because that wasn't the case in terms of what I anticipated, mm-hmm. you get these moments of like raw human emotion, and you're mm-hmm. like, "Fuck!" Mm-hmm. Like you, you, you can't do anything but like relate them to mm-hmm. to what you know or to yeah. to a part of something that you've experienced in whatever fashion. Mm-hmm. So I have yet to read any single review or anything. I'm solely talking off of my initial thoughts my initial feelings the audience reactions and some conversations i've had with friends and people um so it was a lot Mm -hmm. um so basically i'm i guess I, i have to spoil it completely to some degree to really get into it so we're on the run with them for most of the film and the end no 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 the the protest scene the protest sex scene is really where i started to get super disturbed um 
because what you're seeing is basically like them on the run and the beauty that you're seeing is like the black community protecting them and 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 being uplifted by them and seen by them and they were cheering them on right like they had become their heroes Mm -hmm. and that was really beautiful to see and then to the point where like a young boy is very inspired and excited to meet them and he ends up shooting a black cop in the face at a protest like for them for them and i kept feeling bothered by their like constant need to include like black cops Mm -hmm. as like another layer to things um and i was very fascinated by that because there's an influx of black black cop films currently um and so i kind of said this with a few people as well and i'm sure german you remember some of this but like what we learned in film school was basically like if there's a big thing that happens in news or history about two years later you'll get all the media from it right like you'll get all the reaction films to it that happens a lot in horror film because a big thing happens or september 11th happened and then all this camera footage horror films came out so that's kind of how it goes right and so with this it was like what happened two years ago all these riots all these protests um Um, the Dallas shooting, you know, all these things happened. And so then you got an influx of films like this, right? So there's also the one with Black Panther. I mean, 21 Bridges. Yes, that one. I call him Black Panther. I ain't shit. Chadwick. Um, (laughs) I think I felt betrayed by him. Chadwick Uh, Lightman, because he decided to make that. (laughs) But it is that, right? Because then, and then there was another one that was like something in blue. And it was like two black cops, I think, that were also police officers. And so I'm like, why are y'all having to create this narrative? Because ultimately, as cops, you're still defending a white supremacist system. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. But y'all need to include this and make this narrative to add more layers to make black people feel more conflicted. Like, what is the purpose in creating all these films and that plot line? Like, we don't need that. But they feel the need to include that multiple times in that film Mm -hmm. as another layer, which made me feel weird. Mm -hmm. And so then that very gruesome scene happens. Right. He shoots him in the face and you're like, fuck, because this kid is like really enlightening as well like he serves a purpose and kind of tells them like hey i want to be immortal like he shares really powerful stuff uh, in his two minutes on screen right introduces the idea of immortality he introduces the idea of that legendary like they're going to be legends but also like that's just a manual worker and an attorney like right. you know like they didn't even like he was like we didn't ask for this right. you know and even them catching all of the all the people that were like yeah you know you're our hero you're our hero it's like that was not you know after their date that was not the intention that was you not know the they, were, they were never yeah right. like they wouldn't have never even gone out again right. you know like it yeah. was just gonna be in a night it was over and so it's like for it to turn into this thing and then like it was just so realistic to it me, was, like how was, these events occur and right. how we fall in love with these people and, or even after their death, right? Like in real life, we, we fall in love, like Botham John, like mm-hmm. we, we fall in, we fall in love with him, yeah, you with know, like once was. with who he was. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how often do we have to fall in love with these people and then mourn them yeah. and like grieve them? And then and immortalize I, them mm-hmm. because we're in mourning and mm-hmm. this person is gone. And so that scene was disturbing because at the same time as we're seeing that happen, the contrast is this love, mm-hmm. love, quote unquote, maybe, right? They're fucking in the car and it's a really hot sex scene. It is. 
And so you're just kind of like, you feel, (laughs) 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 but it was like a straight and everybody was kind of like wiggling in their seat a little bit because we were like, what's happening? And to me, in my brain, it was like love and power, right? Like, that's how I saw the contrast. But at the same time, I was like, I feel weird. This is making me feel uncomfortable. Like, because this is a lot happening and this is triggering. But then you're also kind of happy. They're finally fucking. And then you're like, what's okay? And then they're like in love after that right there's like bliss in the air and then there's like fire burning everywhere else in the world because Mm. this happened and then they get to the white people's house that have like coverage and then they're informed about what happened with the little boy right and so it's just like (sighs) there's just a lot happening and then at the very end essentially and y'all can obviously add other layers and thoughts and everything but at the very end you think they're getting away you think they're about to fly away to cuba which i think is another fascinating ode to a lot of things as well and the director is Mm -hmm. afro latina she's from cuba or family's from cuba and so that was kind of an interesting layer as well um and then as they're like about to get on the helicopter plane plane whatever spoilers. i don't my brain you've been warned um this is full spoilers full spoilers <laughs> we already said it but um the 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 fuzz pulls up and then we essentially see like the brutal death right you well, said the so fuzz brutal. i did well to add an extra layer to that outsiders add an extra layer to that if we're just giving it all up no like, we are i they, mean i think we were, need to talk about it <laughs> they were essentially uh, i love you bitch they were set up like obviously the police yes. there, that's oh, a yeah. set up but they were set up by a black man Ooh, who yes. was also yeah. being paid allegedly that's five hundred thousand dollars and that was another thing that i told you as well why did they have to make it a black man giving it you know like there were so many things to me that's yeah that's the biggest part of the movie is all that juxtaposition which is what was happening with that uh sex scene and the protest scene Mm -hmm. is all that juxtaposition throughout every scene where it wants you to feel one way and then another right they want it to be a lot of back and forth yeah they want or there's the black cop that lets them get away uh For a second yeah. as yeah. well, like uh-huh. there's the black so cop much. that shows yeah. up to his house to do the to do the checkup, yes. and he tells yes. homegirl, "Is he the one you were fucking?" Uh-huh. Is like, get the fuck out of here. It's a lot happening. So there. every every scene they have you feeling one way. They're like, "Oh, okay," like they're in like this random bar or wherever they're dancing, and then so much. Everyone yes. knows. They find out like, oh, everyone knows who we they're are. But the bartender's like, 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 you ain't paying you're for safe drink. Here. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're safe, safe here. And then on another scene, it's like, you think like, oh, these white people are going to be the ones that set them up. But instead they house them and mm-hmm. they're like, here, hide here. We'll keep you away from the police. Yeah. And, it's like, and that's, okay. and honestly, when they, when they got there, that's when I felt the most scared for them. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, because who it's called the, the police? the and, white labor yeah and so like and and you know going even through all of those interactions when they stop at the bar or when they stop at her like uncle's. even her uncle's like even that story right with her mom mm-hmm. and then the uncle oh it was so with, much guys. with the girls yeah, now that and we're talking like, about it yeah, yeah and like that conversation and she's it, like yeah. she asked her are you happy yeah. and she's like he ain't shit out there but in here he's a king, he's a king. that took me out i said wow it was but was, that was also a real as fuck right that's like, what i'm saying like, like when you talk about some of these things that seem very outlandish and it's like you can't write this stuff you can't make this stuff mm-hmm. up but when it does get written and it is like presented it's like damn there are so many like layers and complications to this story mm-hmm. that you can't help but well, really see the humanity so, in so it. here's like i guess my like thoughts on it was like oh this 
filmmaking wise wow right they're doing like it's su- a beautifully they're, shot they're doing such a great job at telling this story and making you feel movies mm-hmm. also want to make you feel and then the most important to me is like why and what are you really trying to tell me Correct. and then so that brings me to my point for a lot of films sometimes i'm like ah, did we have to make this right because so, i go oh it was great you should watch it but just be warned it's heavy topics heavy film but then i go did we need this film though? Exactly. Did this need when to be we're made? living it outside. Yeah, and then so on one hand, I'm like, yeah, maybe because the, sometimes the goal for films is maybe if I tell a very good real story, it can change people. But on the other hand, it's like people who already know this stuff, live this stuff, they have to watch this and be like, oh shit, mm. this is like, like you're looking into a mirror essentially. Thank God Pat was there because I bawled for like 30 minutes after. Yeah. Y'all hopped up to go to the bathroom and I was like sitting there oh, in shambles. I, I was like, I need to come take Yeah, care I was just sitting there like literally I could not stop crying. It was, I was like, brutal. why did I? It was real. What Very was real, the point? Real. What was the point? Like and it just, it felt, it was so real. It just, it did. It felt like, why did we make this? And I, I think like there's so many opportunities. There is so, there's a lot of black art that's out there that we pull from, right, our legends. Uh, Toni Morrison, for instance, has the book Song of Solomon. And in that book, it's very, very real. Like, it's the story of slaves, right? And it's a very, like, real, like, brutal look at right. this. Um, but at the end, they fly away, mm-hmm. you know? Like, and like, they, like, fly, component. yeah, like, they're, like, a mythical, you know, like, mm-hmm. the characters, there's this thing where it's, like, they can fly, and, like, you feel outlandish, but also, you know, like, reading it, but also it's, like, that's the power of storytelling mm-hmm. is that you can use other elements um, to show the pain, to show the humanity, to show all those things. But at the same time, like we can win, mm-hmm. you know, because that's also a new story. Yes. Like I feel yeah. like in, in telling that, even if it feels so unrealistic, it's almost like I just wish that that energy had just been pushed out into the atmosphere Absolutely. that we won. And maybe not Absolutely. even that they made it to Cuba. And, or maybe right, like yeah. it could be, you know, like it could have been something. Literally, and if they had joined, grabbed yeah. hands and shot off like two Power Rangers like anything. into the sky. Like that's anything was, would have been. I was literally hoping. That's how I was, I was <laughs> saying. I didn't. I, I I was almost tricking myself. Like, I don't know how this is going to end. I was telling right. myself Same. that. Because I'm like, Same. I was hoping. Yeah, they were going to like, there was going to be a twist where like, oh, they get away or do one of those kind of, I mean, they're kind of like cliches, but like, oh, here's two, here's two different scenes. Here's like, yeah, here's, they're getting away and then it cuts to the reality. Something like that. No, but they gave us the brutal, gruesome, ugly, ugly. full, uh, and and, and I did appreciate, like, because there were the themes of like this black woman really having to lead and take the hit multiple Mm. times, Mm. right? Like she was taking the actual hits mm-hmm. the whole time yeah she was she's the and only then at one the who end, got physically hurt the yes. entire film and so like i appreciate those nods because you know but at the same time i'm like bro i didn't want to see this black woman shot to death mm-hmm. i did not want to see it and at that point i think me and Trini started holding hands mm-hmm. and sobbing and i had to literally cover my mouth with tissue because i was doing that like ugly cry mm-hmm. because it was so much to see and we're in fucking dallas texas where black trans women are being murdered black people are being murdered in their house we we're state troopers oh my god for no reason just for here. no reason <laughs> and they're happy to admit that they are keeping them here like mm-hmm. This is not a fucking joke. Yes. And we are forgetting about it. Right. And so like, 
I afterwards, because I had to pee so bad, I was wobbling my leg for about 60 minutes of that film. I didn't want to leave because I didn't want to miss a part. So as soon as it was over, I, I was like sobbing and I ran out and I was just like, what the fuck was that? Mm-hmm. And then I came back and we were all like, it was beautifully shot. And I was like, and I even told you, like, I, I can't say what I'm feeling right now mm-hmm. because it was so much. And I even told you, I said it was a lot. Mm-hmm. I said it was beautifully done, but it was a lot. And so once I started hearing the next day that there were getting bad reviews, I was actually like, okay. Because mm-hmm. I feel like because we're so accustomed to not having black films or Latinx films or Asian films or POC films or non-Eurocentric films, that when we get them, we're so fucking excited which I was, and we take them. And even if like, and I use the example of This Is America, when that came out, we were so amazed. Wow, this is so, oh my God, nobody's done this. Whoa, this is a big deal. But in reality, it's like, wait, what is this doing to the people that it most affects? It's like trauma porn. Yes, Mm -hmm. it becomes trauma porn. Mm -hmm. And so whenever everybody left, I talked to Christian, I said, I'm at this point, Christian, where it would have been more radical to see that end in joy because you don't see black joy. That's what then I was to really have this for. fucking trauma-esque black on black he turned y'all over this happened for money this happened and they're both fucking killed on the floor dead mm-hmm. well and the just especially for queen like and literally it has taken me we saw this what last last week so it's mm-hmm. been a week Wednesday. every day i think about this film mm-hmm. like a new part of it every single day and like and just like dissecting um, her part because I've been just thinking about them as a couple like kind of going through this thing as a pair and the more that I have like really gotten into um, just the black woman's role in this movie um, it just it just sucks like mm-hmm. there were so many realities in that like and so many um, it was so nuanced and so loaded with yes. all of like like you said that juxtaposition mm-hmm. like really like sh- like just slingshotting you from one emotion to the next and like constantly from, yes and 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 she to me was at the root of all of that because he wasn't offering any suggestions like he wasn't offering like she was almost yeah, she was making it. mishaps mm-hmm. because she was the only one that was like and then there was like a acting. point where he was kind of like okay I'm here for you mm-hmm. and, and then it they took fucked. yeah <laughs> and it took it all it took the romantic part right and I see that so often that it takes like some type of like relationship to get like some type of um, intimate relationship grounding to yeah to get men to listen to women or Mm. follow women and it's like it doesn't need to be your wife your girlfriend your and like I see that so often where I'm like gosh I've been in so many situations where I've been second guessed Mm -hmm. um, when I've really known or I've just been completely shut down Mm -hmm. and a man has not said like well that's actually a good idea but let's work on this together right right? it's always like either you're just gonna take the lead and we'll see what happens or you know just shut up and let us do it and so it's like that pull like that push and pull like between the masculine and the feminine and of course we're using like these are cis people right um but just seeing that and and how like every moment like she really was just she was shot first mm-hmm. and even through that she's like come on we got to keep going yeah and then she like just, the black woman martyr was like yes Oof, and then at the end just... he picks her up and walks with her and then it, it's just it was just it was a lot it was a lot and and that's the thing but because again we don't see these a lot for a lot of people it was still 
beautiful and great Mm -hmm. to see because it's so rare Mm -hmm. and because it's the reality so they get excited that other people will be exposed to this reality when it's like wasn't marketed to them though it wasn't marketed to other people right i have asked i have like i can count my white friends on two fingers and i've asked them um if they've seen this and no they haven't and so it's like i feel like for the people who need to see it like right for the people who might Mm -hmm. need that that, reality and that's where my question comes out i'm like did we need to make this because it's like if if I didn't see that. Yeah, I'm like I was annoyed with myself for being so like excited. Excited. I mean, I was so excited. But that's why I'm saying like I think I need to remember that not everyone is where I am, Mm -hmm. right? And especially, and we talked about this yesterday, because Hollywood protects Hollywood, even elite Black Hollywood, even elite Latinx, whatever. They all still protect one another. And so then again, I haven't read the full articles, but like seeing what the casting call was for that. Asking for like a girl that would not work in the house. Yeah, I said a rugged slave was on the casting call. My God, yeah, they started outing the fuck out of what what Lena was involved with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was super super crazy. Which people are defending because they're saying, oh well, it was like a an uh like a a new age runaway slave movie. Mm. Um, I've seen that. They're like, well, they they took they went backwards on the underground railroad, and so they were trying to justify it in that. And it also shows me just like. It breaks my heart for the black community, for my community, because we even justify like these stories or like we can't just put our foot down and say enough is enough. Mm-hmm. Like I'm t- I'm tired of these slaves. Like I'm t- I don't want any more slave narratives. Right. You know, like I don't I don't need that. Like mm-hmm. we need to be victors. Mm-hmm. Like we need yeah, to no, start exactly. winning. That's like it just is yeah. it's necessary. Yeah. Well, and it's it's energy. Mm-hmm. Like it yeah. is those stories like the, it when we put that out there like it that is. sparks it ideas. Is. That's what children see and they say like Huh. Mm-hmm. that is you know like those are things that are so important because that is true that is reality. yeah that is true mm-hmm. that is the reality and it's like even though this is current reality right even though police brutality is and i feel like that's even like such a soft way to say it mm-hmm. like even though police murder is a thing right. even though you know implicit bias and 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 racism and all these things are affecting the black and brown community so heavily like this is real and it's happening today but also like there are beautiful things that black people are doing. Mm. Like we are magic. And I just want to start seeing that outside of dance films, outside of old school. Like we're always paying tribute, right? Like I love, I want to see James Brown on, uh, you know, like I want to see those things happening and I want to see biopics and all Mm -hmm. those things. But like, we don't always have to be paying homage to our legends, right? Mm -hmm. Like there are people that are living right now that deserve to see what black life can be while we're alive. Like it's, it is like, I'm, I'm here, Mm -hmm. right? I'm here right now. I want to see somebody that reflects, me and that's why I get excited like I want to see cheesy black movies right like I want to see that stuff because that joy that joy yeah like I'm not even because people are like it's more radical right now to see that joy exactly than to see that pain Mm -hmm. um clearly we had a lot of thoughts and feelings about this I mean um damn it there was something else I wanted to say and I can't think of it uh, we went too damn long, but it's okay because I think it was necessary and I like having these discussions about this kind of thing. And it's okay to both enjoy and critique something, right? Like I want to remind people that it's okay to feel that conflicting feeling because it is, it is, um, it's a lot to process when we haven't seen it before. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned to you, I did appreciate Lena's reaction, at least one of the ones I saw. I'm sure there's a lot of other like fuck shit I don't know about um, or haven't read yet. But she was kind of saying basically um, 
like if mine's i appreciate all the criticism good and bad if mine's the film that we get to grow from i'm happy to make that happen and i i was grateful to see that from her because she also said some other dumb shit about what melina has processed and what she not processed but like what she grew up on and what she grew up you know all these different layers that she just said things that she we just gotta start remembering these are people right like Lena, very flawed even normal humans and we think like because i I'll, I'll speak for myself like seeing somebody that i'm like she's black she's queer she's woke she's like so the expectation right is that they're gonna be on the on the same level, but page, yeah they are not on the ground with us Correct. right now you know like this is somebody that's very far removed from the actual things that are happening like right. just because the dollar sign is there for them right like they have the privilege to be outside of this whereas like we are literally living in it and i'm like where was i just i yeah lena thank you for that you know yes we can grow from it but also like we have to be more responsible when we're making these things like if you want to make a think piece like i need where were the therapists where were the people watching these this thing to say like let's give some feedback on how this affect like could affect people like if we're going to tell these stories i do feel like there's a way to be responsible. They didn't give resources at the end. They didn't give, Nothing. you know, like there's certain things like you had mentioned Which, when they see Ava us, did. gave like resources, gave a place to go, gave something like it just ended. Context, history. Yeah. Everything. It just ended. And so it's like, if these tell, if these stories are going to be told, like, please do your due diligence to be very responsible and take care with, you know, how you're telling them. And if it's and really lean into that community component, mm-hmm. right? Cause that's the theme I think with the colors we keep running into over and over and over again is like the word, some, a word like community can mean nothing. And, and because it's so oversaturated and it means a lot of different things. But like, to me, that beauty in the community in that film was like that. We got your back. We're protecting mm-hmm. you. We're uplifting you. We got you. We're going to look out for each other. You know, I don't really know you, but I'm still going to help you out because I can see what you're trying to do. And I fuck with that. And like, that's the beauty in community. And that's what elite Hollywood is missing. Right. Because they're so used to just taking care of their own and doing what's best for them and becoming self-serving like narcissists, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd like to see what happens next from the people involved in this as well as just in Hollywood in general, because, um, POC people go to the movies and we want to see ourselves, but that responsibility component is huge. Um, on a complete opposite contrary representation. That Pat, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Sorry. That sounded harsh. Um, I'm going to say this quickly because we went way over on that. Thank you both for giving us your input on that. I know it's a lot. I know it's heavy. We're done with spoilers. It took a long time. We're going to need to make a note of the time on that for our um, episode notes. But fucking Baby Yoda is the Latinx representation. The child. He's a child? That's what they That's what they call him on the show. He's known as the child. Well, he looks like a baby to me. He's so actually 50 years old. Same. But he looks great. And he's so cute. Um. So, Rafa, have you seen it? I have. How do you feel about it? <clears throat> um. I haven't seen it. I know nothing but the memes on the internet. She literally realized, just it, was a, the she realized it was a TV show this just past it, week baby. when I was talking to her about it. She I, thought it was I a mean, movie. I like I like it. Um, I'm not a huge I hope no one gets upset but I'm not a huge Star Wars like I appreciate the stories 
Um, I just don't know what what I, cute little baby Yoda looking whatever. He's so cute and yeah. ugly. It's overhyped. Is in my there opinion, a baby but... Chewbacca on there? <laughs> there no, should be. There isn't. Yo. You look like a little puppy. Ah, I mean, the closest like thing is like if you see the Ewoks. <clears throat> oh yeah, and the little Wookies. So the Wookies are pretty cute. So uh, Twitter was like, he's Latinx because, and then somebody else that commented on our post said, "What's his name, Pedro?" Um, Whatever plays the oh yeah Pedro Pesca- Pascal he's a Chilean Pascual no Pascual he's Chilean he, play, he plays the Jabberwocky or no what's he the plays name of the, a Mand- the Mandalorian the Mandalorian <laughs> and so the uh, Jabberwocky she talking you about know, the dance Star group. Wars <laughs> Latinx absolutely they were in the baby's video uh, no I'm just kidding I'm just kidding anyways it's so cute I love the memes and I hope that baby yoda has a bright future ahead of him i really do <laughs> i'm we can see aren't they working backwards so don't we know what i dead ass don't know like benjamin no, this button is, this is after the this is after the first three films that were done God, see i hate so that shit why they through, do all that after so the first it's, three it's prior to like the rise of skywalker mm-hmm. series films wait so is this the yoda the original Yoda. No. This oh, is, this is a Yoda. Is Yoda a name or is Yoda? He's a, a small. Thing? He's a little. He's a toy he's Yoda. He's a small little bean. <laughs> You're a clown. <laughs> why? Why? What do you mean? <laughs> I hope he's someone's father one day. I really do. <laughs> she can't even breathe no more. She, she don't even know what she was finna say. Look, she is. Her shoulders are gone. Drink some water. It's that was funny, Rafa. Thank you. Wait, so this is not so baby the child is not the same Yoda that was in like the original films. This is a different Yoda. Or this is this is pre- We don't so that's what the speculation is cuz we don't know what this so it's not Yoda. It's but not people the are Yoda. asking, right? People are asking did Yoda have Yoda offspring? Sex? Oh. Um, what is this? Uh Is it like the just the species of yeah. the Yodas? That um, like, cause he gets rescued. He but gets the re- memes is funny though. Yeah, same he, mood. He, he gets rescued. Um, it's just funny. Like, I only recently started watching the episodes, so it's kind of funny to see the memes and then watch the episode. Cause now I just keep hearing all the covers with all the cumbias and juvenile with Yoda. Oh yes, in the <laughs> so car. I just keep thinking of all these like covers. So when I watch that part where he's pushing the buttons, I was like, "Where's juvenile at? Where's back then?" That's so good. Those are my favorite. They're getting And then he's been wearing some Tims. And then he had AirPods on. And he had a concha. He had a concha. He's team concha. Shout out, baby Yoda. You know what's best for you, baby. (laughs) Get them vitamins from that bread. Can you imagine if those were Princess Leia's buns? Uh, It's coming. Just wait. The internet is not tired of him yet. Um, So shout out to baby Yoda. Also, the 30 under 30 list. Shout out to... People on there, um, Patty, Patty Delgado from Hija de tu from Hija de tu pinche madre. Um, sorry, just kidding. Wow. Um, that's my brand. <laughs> I'm just kidding, kind of. Um, Meg was on there, or Tierra Wax on there. Lots of cool people on there. Maluma's on there. Um, yeah, that's exciting stuff. I would say more, but we have gone way over juice time. So that is all we have for the juice. Woo, woo. You're listening to De Colores Radio. All right. I can't hear myself. 
Is that okay? Hello? Okay, now I can. Sorry. That freaked me out. Hee <laughs> hee. Love it. Chop chop edit cut. Alright. <laughs> Stop! I'm sad. Okay. <laughs> I'm keeping all of this. No! Please don't. I hate it. Okay. With us today, we are bringing in the lovely... Yadi Guevara. She is a writer, translator, multimedia artist, and arts administrator. Her work is deeply rooted in representation, Salvadorian American identity, and intergenerational healing. Her mediums range from bilingual zines, embroidery and gifs, and she has been published in Texas Monthly, Vice, Remezcla, with several gallery exhibitions in New York and Texas. She has also presented at the LA Times Festival of Books, LA Zine Fest, Columbia University, and Twitter headquarters in NYC. Yadi received her bachelor's degree from Ethica College. After many years in New York, Yadi currently lives in Houston, Texas, and where where she is the grants manager for Houston Arts Alliance, the city of Houston's designated local arts and cultural agency. Learn more at www.yadi.com. Woo! Welcome to the show, the lovely Yadi Guevara. Aw, <laughs> thank you so much for having me, y'all. Of course. I've been wanting this to happen <laughs> for so long. Aw, me too. I actually, I was thinking on my way here, I was like, when did we first, like, meet? We met via the internet. Yeah, as all great romantic love yes, stories of our time. of our time. So I believe it was on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you remember. I think it was Did like you we slide just, in my DM. I don't know. I think we just started <laughs> following each other. Yeah. And then you um I get I don't know if it was your first zine, but you were like, I'm sending free ones out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then you sent of- it mm-hmm. and I was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. And it was like maybe twenty sixteen. It was a while back. Yes. It was like a few years ago. And then from then on we just like kept up with each other. Yeah. And then the first time I was vending in Brooklyn, you came out. I was like, yeah, Oh my god. Was gosh. that the first time yeah. ever? Yeah. Oh ever. my god, I was there. I didn't know that was your first time. Yeah. So and then sweet. I did a reading. It was a, like this little bar and uh-huh. i was like it's so out of the way but i'm so glad he came through so it meant a lot yeah we did i think that was ari's art show time i think yeah that's you came up was. for a friend's art show you were with like yeah. a group of friends <laughs> that was a rough trip but yeah. i'm so glad i met you in real oh, life at that too. point and then we had like dinner like a couple days later yeah we went at the high line yes it was cute and then we watched that and talked about all our mess (laughs) that was so fun okay anyways i was always so glad to connect with you and then now i'm glad you're back in texas how do you feel to be back Woo! Um, it's great. I mean, i'm originally from houston um but i haven't been there in years in terms of like seeing it from like this perspective right Right. and so i've always been back and forth between houston and texas but now Mm -hmm. this is like the first time i can actually like set roots and in the role that i play right now too um with the city of houston and giving money to artists it's like being part of the arts landscape because i knew i wanted to come back to houston but i wanted to come back in style you know i want to really build the skills that i had in new york and like give that back to my community right right so that was always my end goal so it feels really good to be back to be able to help people help my community help the arts Mm -hmm. in a significant way and there's so much going on all the time like houston is cool it is there's all i 
I secretly knew that, but like now right. everybody else is keeping up, right? Like we had an article a couple years back that was like, oh, Houston's like the cultural capital of the South, mm-hmm. which is a nice headline, right? But right. like to actually see that and be part of it. And um, there's always so much new stuff happening and it's still in a very affordable city. Yeah. So that reflects in the art that's being made, which is like so inspiring. And um, and like we we're just talking about physical space, right? There's right. spaces to check there's out. Access. There's there's access to that and um i'm just really excited to be back so and texas is amazing it is it is so Mm. before i dive more into all of that Mm. i guess we'll take it back just a little bit you were born and raised in houston yes and then your parents were from el salvador yes they came in 78 so right before the war i mean we all knew shit was bad (laughs) a long time before the war like Uh officially started quote unquote right um so they left right when they were like assassinating like students and like protesting and um, what was the and this is my ignorance yeah, yeah. was it throughout el salvador or was it in specific parts um it was all throughout so 1969 was really like one of those pivotal years where there was mm-hmm. a border war between honduras and el salvador like for okay. 100 hours they just duked it out oh wow there's a lot of rising tensions for a lot of like geopolitical reasons mm-hmm. um but that's from 69 to 79 the country was already really fragile like throughout the country right and it's a tiny country so it's just kind of like coast to coast it's like five hours Mm. like it's tiny yeah um so shit was already bad and then um so they left right when things were about to pop off Mm -hmm. and the u.s funded money right made it even worse right yeah so um did your parents already know each other no that's the irony and their cantones are like 30 minutes apart oh wow it's so cute like they always saw each other like they had a mutual friend but they didn't like really know each other and so it's funny that they met in houston so Mm -hmm. wow yeah what are the chances because like back in the 70s it was a lot of la so that's Mm -hmm. why there's a lot of diaspora that was a camino before and so um and then a new route opened up opened up in houston because the economy was really good back in the day Mm -hmm. uh, for that oil money so um so yeah we ended up in houston and then it's three of you yeah so i have an older brother an older sister and i'm the last one um i'm the seca leche that's what we call it (laughs) it sounds cute i don't even know what it means It's pretty obvious. It's yes, the one that okay. literally. Okay, <laughs> I was like, wait, you just said this. Okay, keep going. But I never hear that. Do we say that? It's a salvi thing. Okay, I was like, hold on. I know these words, but I've never heard them like this. Yeah, yeah, I'm the last one, which is great. Um, my brother works in um, banking mm-hmm. and finance, and my sister's an art therapist. Yeah. And I am the artist and um, arts administrator. I love so, it. Yeah, thanks. We're all really supportive. We're all really close because we like. We didn't grow up with like a lot of immediate family because mm. everybody was still in El Salvador. Okay. And so um, the few cousins that I did grow up with were still super tight because we only had each other. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're honestly like a handful, like two or three. Oh, wow. So, yeah. so most of your, your, then both of your parents separately left El Salvador, yeah. met in, in Houston, Houston. Mm-hmm. and then their siblings and family were still in El Salvador yes. predominantly. I only had one aunt that I grew up here. Oh wow! Yeah, and okay. she's in Memphis, and so the other aunts and uncles would just travel back and forth. So, um, did they ever explain like why Texas? Um, mostly because like the LA um, route got shut down, mm-hmm. and so they 
the economy was really good in Texas because mm-hmm. it was another enclave too in Long Island and like Washington DC but right. it was too long yeah and so yeah and plus it's like back in the day you had to know somebody in those towns right you have to have an anchor you a have connection. to have somebody that you go mm-hmm. to right and so there was already like a growing community here in Houston so it was in the Magnolia neighborhood um, where I grew up mm-hmm. so um, it was like a little safe house that you would come to and even when we still drive around my parents was like that's the first time I ever bought like groceries was at that little like convenience oh, wow. store and stuff like that so um there's still a lot of history Houston's always been home even when I was in New York I love New York but I always knew like um I wanted to come back to Houston in a significant way right for sure mm-hmm. so then how was it to grow up in Houston because I I know I I like asking people that are not Mexican <laughs> this because for so long yeah. and I know I touched on it a little bit even with Jessica Salgado mm-hmm. but like I think there's such a lack of representation for Latinos in general right. that like even even the Mexicans didn't feel seen or represented right mm. and then it wasn't until I was much older that I realized like wait Mexico is doing a lot of damage too and right. like we didn't realize it because there's always been like an underlying like animosity kind of towards like other nationalities basically and it wasn't like actual animosity it was well at least not for me it was more so like we all had our own national pride right and so um, now that I got older and I gained more access to information I actually understood like how toxic um, it was I was like oh shit we got to do a lot better right we can Mm -hmm. still be proud and love our country but say hey it also has its flaws Um, so then I always am curious with um like i our we have several cousins that are that are half salvadorian and so i'm always like and even when i ask them they're like we don't know that much about yes our salvi side just because right. you know their dads came married our aunts and the mexican basically took over and so i'm just like <laughs> how how was that for you oh um those are all really good points i was like oh man i should make notes uh i want to address all the points that you made because that's uh-huh. very significant right like grew right. up in a working class uh mexican barrio like very mm-hmm. immigrant class so at least we knew we were all broke you right, know right, like right. that was we had that uh, in common we had that foundation but then you have um these like um uh, gosh how do you say that nationalism that tears mm-hmm. apart for sure um so that was um survival through assimilation right so mm-hmm. i couldn't say my salvi words i couldn't mm-hmm. say or unless i wanted to get like you know bullied or whatever wow. um i had to like not talk about my tamales and how different they are right so it's just a lot of stuff that we retained in the household that like i'm so glad my parents always instilled that like you're Salvadoran like don't forget it last time we checked we're still Salvadoran we have the machete in the garage you are not Mexican like you know and as a kid you want to fit in so it's like you learn how to quote switch you learn how to navigate even within your own culture Mm -hmm. and obviously the lack of representation is one of um that is damaging but at the same time it's like because of that I make the work that I do right Mm -hmm. like I make the work that I always wanted to see out there I always make the work that um little Yeti would have like been like oh shit there's somebody out there like me because the only representation I had growing up was like that one scene where we're talking about movies and scenes uh-huh. was in Clueless when she was just like oh um why don't you speak to Lupe the the maid and then she's like well she's Salvadoran she's like you know I don't speak Mexican she's like Salvador it's like what does that mean and he's oh like you get offended God. if you live below sunset or something I like can't. that yeah so like that scene stuck with me it's like oh shit she's Salvador too <laughs> and you know and that kind of like immediately familiarity that immediate mm-hmm. like um connection that you have with right. somebody when you are trying to learn the thing that's been taken from you right because it's like I didn't 
see any like Salvadoran history, like fuck, we had like two sets of encyclopedias and we had like a paragraph in it. Right. And I'm like, there's more to this, right? right? And so it was really helpful to kind of have that like education through my parents in terms of like the cultural stuff, like the food and we celebrate this holiday and like this is what my grandma used to do. And then my brother too was just, I don't give him enough credit in terms of like educating me because he's seven years older. So I was a kid when he went off to college. And so he studied anthropology. And so he would like research and like study all the Mesoamerican history and like, no, we are not Aztec. We're actually Pibil and Lenca. And like, just actually like get down to the roots of like our, um, our history. And I was like, holy shit. So every time we'd go to El Salvador, we'd go to like archeological ruins. And I'm like, I didn't know this existed in our own country, right? Mm. And my parents had never been visited for lack of access back then so it's just kind of like in our household we're constantly like learning and holding on to the thing that um this culture that's evolving and moving and we feel so removed from because my parents didn't get papers until like the end of the 80s like until like 89 they got papers Mm -hmm. um because of reagan and amnesty Mm -hmm. and stuff like that so they've been (laughs) out of the household for like 11 years or out of the country for 11 years and so they've always been really um, strong supporters of retaining what we have. And um, so we went back. Our first trip was like, I kid you not, it was probably that same 92 when we mm-hmm. went. I was three years old. And like the the war officially ended in 92, quote unquote. Wow. It was not over. Like, I still remember that trip yeah, like super damage. vividly. So, um, so I think how to be Salvadoran and navigating spaces that are not made for us, that are not seen from us. Um, I think it's, again, a lot of assimilation through for survival, a lot of retaining what we do have. It's a lot of growing that and passing that on and sharing that as mm-hmm. well. And it's a lot of like um, being curious, like I always pause my parents. I'm like, what does that mean? Where does that come mm-hmm. from? And like, they're the OG storytellers, right? Like they're right. the real poets in my family. The I just write it down. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And their storytelling skills, because that's how I've been able to craft this idea of El Salvador when they would tell me like, well, stories about the people that they knew that mm-hmm. they were removed from. So um, it's been it's been a lot, but I think it's at the same time, like I'm at a place with like my art and like my um, knowledge base that I can actually really sink in and absorb it and share that. Because I feel like a lot of my art is sharing what little information and education I've been built on and I've been gifted to um, hope that helps for somebody else. The internet helps, you know, especially Absolutely. because we've been really siloed in terms of the Central American community in the US. Mm-hmm. You got your hubs, your LA, DC, and then it's like, how about everybody else in between, right? Right. And so, um, so that's been very useful to be able to um, see each other and see where we are in our journey and our journey of identity and like reclaiming that. Did that answer your question? I mean, I, <laughs> I like, yes. Okay. I didn't. Right, I love thanks. it. I didn't know if Rafa had anything to say. He looked like he was yeah. ready to. No, I was just listening. I, I always go back to, I think I, <clears throat> excuse my voice. <clears throat> I go back to that young man that I had met that I had told you about. He was off at school, like in Indiana. Um, and if you're listening to this brother, I forgot your name, but shouts out to you. Um, I was at a wedding and I was leaving with some family and he stopped me and he's like, Hey, um, you're Rafa from De Colores Radio. Aww. And you know, when we get these moments, it's always like, I, I think it's a bigger deal for us. Yeah, it is. <laughs> we're trying to act cool, but yeah, we're like freaking I'm like, out. Oh my God, this is crazy. But, um, like he broke down and he was like, yo, like I'm a first year college student. I'm going into at a school. I think he said Indiana or somewhere up North mm-hmm. where he was like, I'm trying to start something for the Latinx people right. there. And even if it's just a small organization to acknowledge, like some of the things that we, right. you know, do for our culture 
and he wasn't really getting a whole lot of support but he's like man it's always a very lonely walk from mm -hmm. like my dorm to my class but when i'm listening to the colores it feels like i'm back home <laughs> and so it's really like that was to me it's like you know when you hear that one story from that one person mm -hmm. everything that you've done in terms of like busting ass or like you know staying up late and trying to make this thing for our people like it's worth it yeah. and i was like like that shit hit me really hard because mm -hmm. i was like I, I met this kid and he's off you know like braving the storm through whatever he's going through that we're able to share these stories and connect with like-minded people and really celebrate who we are regardless of how different we individually mm -hmm. are but you know finding these uniting factors and you know telling each other that we've got each other's back and that we're here and like you know it's that was just a beautiful moment and so when you're saying things like that I always think it's amazing that um, specifically in, in like underrepresented cultures and communities, uh, when people recognize the strength of what they can do and the amplification and, and the resources they can be to someone, even if it's just like some advice or sharing like an, an anecdote that's like, wow, that makes me feel like I am somebody and I exist and I'm seen and that's going to motivate me and give me the confidence to go after the things that I want to go after because I can and I should. So. Yeah, absolutely. That visibility, right? Yeah. And it's just like how to um, the work is bigger than yourself, right? With your creative work. It's one thing to make it yourself. And it's another thing to put it out in the world. And like Jessica said last night, where it's like it, the the gift of connection when you make art, right? Where mm -hmm. it's just kind of like the personal meets a universal. Mm. And that you could be that for somebody else that you didn't have, right? It's that modeling that behavior or being um, creating the thing you want to see in the world. And um, and the connections people make with your work is just incredibly, um, it's beautiful. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so what do you remember what you wanted to be when you were growing up? Oh, gosh, so much. So many <laughs> things. Um, I did like the, you know, very typical immigrant kid. Like, I'm going to do whatever makes my parents happy. Yes. The thing that they never could be. Right. And I realized that. What for, was that? My dad wanted to be a doctor. Ooh. My mom wanted to be a teacher. Um, they barely even got through bachillerato. And even then, like, they're breaking generational curses just mm -hmm. by getting an education. Mm -hmm. Like, they're the only ones that got, like, an education in their family. Wow. Um, and my mama is a woman, too, which was like, what? what are your, can we say your parents' name? Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm my, like, they sound powerful. I want to. I want to speak their name. <laughs> Uh, my dad's Guadalupe and my mom's Santos. Aww. So they both wow. have like unisex Legends. names. Legends. Yeah. <laughs> my name was supposed to be Guadalupe. No way. My grandmother's name's Guadalupe. Oh, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's beautiful. Don Lupus and yeah, Santos. Um, so you grew up wanting to be a doctor and a teacher? And a fashion designer because oh, my mom was always sewing yes, too. Yes. And so I I'll bought one of her pieces. Oh, yeah, you did. Oh, my gosh. I did. Yeah, my mammy made. I run a craft <laughs> line with my mom. And so um, she's my socia. And, oh, my gosh. <laughs> just kind of retaining that history right because like she learned through her mom mm -hmm. and like she's always making me stuff and i was like we can make stuff for the internet mom like we can do this right. so i'd grab scraps from her floor and just like make stuff together she taught me like how to sew and trusted me with very sharp things mm -hmm. and i figured it out which is great it was just like the passing on the knowledge that she had to me right in the ways that she could so um fashion designer and i think it was like i figured out you could like write the things in a book and i'm like what is that like a person did this like yeah. what uh -huh. i can do that like i want to do that so and i felt like language was the only thing that <clears throat> i could have in terms that it's my own and i can choose it and i can be part of both too in terms of spanish and english so um and the power that had in between mm -hmm. and um and that i could have possessed that 
so um i'm still trying to figure it out but yeah. i mean <laughs> but you had that at yeah. the at your foundation right and then how was schooling for you that led to new york um you know good old public schooling yes. very humbling um great lunch meats uh, that Stop i can recommend it. oh my god <laughs> lunch meats there's sometimes yo like working class like public lunch smells that come through and i'm like what is that yeah. where's that salisbury steak it smells like you a know? crispito in here what's going on this is chicken tetrazzini yeah. <laughs> okay that one still slaps i like chicken tetrazzini oh my gosh so uh public school my whole life which is great and then um and that was all houston that was all houston okay and then i went to college at ithaca which uh, my brother went to and only knew that I wanted to get the fuck out of Texas. Mm. And this was the complete opposite of Texas. Right. Was, and what was that feeling that created that? I want to get the fuck out of Texas. Oh, cause I've also felt that. Oh yeah. I mean, I feel like inherently <coughs> we have that idea that life can be better somewhere else. Mm. Right. Like as mm-hmm. an immigrant child, like it, you don't have to think things for face value, that like longing that longing mm-hmm. that like, and that possibility that like your life could be better if you go somewhere else. Um, right. Or that's a hope, right. That we have, um, and so um, I knew that it was possible because my brother did it. And so that was enough for me. And my parents were always like really big advocates of education. Like, es una cosa que nadie te puede quitar and mm-hmm. algo que te dura toda la vida. Mm-hmm. And it opens doors for you. So, um, so yeah, if it wasn't for my brother and my sister that did it and that I knew it was an option for me, then that's how I knew I wanted to get the fuck out. So I wanted to get the opposite of Texas. I wanted to go somewhere private, small, liberal arts, mm-hmm. um, somewhere that was going to give me a lot of money because it was very, we're obviously very broke. And right. um, and then my brother's like, they will pay you for being brown at these white places. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, cool, let's do that. And And so he was telling you that when you were in high school? Uh, I was probably middle school by then. Okay, so yeah. you had a pretty good grasp of like what assimilation was and all these different of things. Of course, yeah. Okay, see, yeah. I I always find that so fascinating because mm-hmm. some people really were raised with like people that were surrounding them and saying, "Here, read Malcolm X." Here, da da da, and like then there's a lot of other people that right. really just kind of have to survive and then find it along the way. And so Absolutely. it's definitely different to get that perspective of like your elder siblings, especially kind of helping guide you into that path. And that's the advantage of being the last born, right? You have siblings that have navigated the system that have like give you the game code sheet, you know, and being like, right. here, this is what I figured out because I'm still learning of like being that with my brother, like being the eldest and like the stuff that he went through that we didn't know. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause he was able to explain stuff to us right. and like take care of us. So it was just kind of like, um these systems that are not built for us that are not seen for us and like having that like courage of an older sibling that to have gone through that and to share that like they're very different experiences um so i knew it was possible i had the support which is already enough and a lot and um to get to ithaca which i really loved and um it was a lot in terms of like you know, predominantly white school right. and like I had to be an ambassador of my culture and I know I'm not Caribbean. Like oh I am, you know, <laughs> a little further south. Right. And I'm not Mexican, even yeah. though I'm from Texas. And so it was a lot of education, obviously like academic, but education of myself in terms of being like a cultural ambassador. And what does it mean to even be Salvadoran when there's only one paragraph in that one book about mm-hmm. your history? So so you really got to unpack that more once you went to college oh yeah i have to like share it in real time too because they're like what are you or mm-hmm. they're like salvadoran my nanny's salvadoran and i'm like mm-hmm. so is the lady on clueless <laughs> right but i had teachers like the few te- uh, professors of color that were like really helpful they're like hey this poet's salvadoran i'm like 
crying mm-hmm. and i'm like we out here we doing this like right they saw me for you know and i was in business school so i was gonna say what was your focus then? yeah i was in business so okay. i was in finance and international business but my minor was in latin american studies so okay. it was more literature so that's where like i really flourished and got radicalized and i love it yeah that's where it happens mm-hmm. so then how did you how have you navigated whiteness within all these different whoa spaces you've been to whoa um damn that's a really good question um because i'm thinking of whiteness too like even in latinidad right, right like colorism right which i'm chele which is salvadoran for like really light-skinned and okay. like being aware of that privilege. i know a lot of chele's okay no, <laughs> calm yeah. down chele can i say chele shit i'm over here saying it everywhere <laughs> right and being aware of that too and being aware within the family of the colorism too um and knowing where i land and all that i think i saw it more obviously in like um i could see it within my culture like growing up in elementary middle school and then like high school i went to like um on the right side of railroad tracks air quotes because y'all can't see this (laughs) and um saw that like oh those kids are in the lap of luxury i am not and then like first it was always socioeconomical right let's say based on class exactly and then in college it was just kind of like oh shit i'm not going anywhere i live here now with all these other like middle class kids and Mm -hmm. like rich first i saw socioeconomical and then like the racial and then it was a lot to unpack so how do i navigate i think just finding a sense of support system was Mm -hmm. really important because it's like that like sense of intimacy where you're like are one of two only pocs and you lock eyes and like you make the same like um yeah the same nod the same understanding that we're in the space together right and like um being able to connect and um damn how to navigate white spaces in that uh spaces or even just within latinidad because i i always um appreciate a self-aware like light complected latino that can say that and also recognize their privilege within that yeah absolutely um i think i early on i just needed i realized like i needed to basically shut up and like listen to other people Mm -hmm. um because what was it when i remember early on like freshman year my um classmate was like yeah i'm haitian and i'm like tell me about that like i know nothing about the caribbean experience Mm -hmm. and that was so educational in terms of like sharing that intimacy he's like yeah i don't really talk about it and i'm like but i i want to know right in terms of like being able to kind of like understand like our history my little tiny central american history is um common throughout latin america Mm -hmm. right we're all like gone through the same shit in different time periods right but um it's a matter of just kind of like um reaching out and like educating yourself too because that was very helpful i took like a class on latino and latina social movements and I was like, oh, we've been all treated like crap. Right. <laughs> In different know? ways. And how did learning from the past, like how did they find solidarity and community with each other too? So that was very informative. So then how long were you in New York and how did you carry all this into your work? Mm, I was in New York eight years. I, that honestly, was from what time to what time? Oh, gosh. What, it, when Ithaca is in new york yeah okay i'm like i'm a dumb i'm a dumbass but yeah. i don't know what part it's upstate new york so okay. it's five hours from the city it's okay. in the western uh part of the country or western part of the state <laughs> and it's in the finger lakes region which means nothing to you no, right now but it's absolutely beautiful not it's, i knew it, i was like yeah. ithaca new york sounds right yeah. and that's all i had it's in the same town as cornell so okay it's cornell like, i've heard of beautiful heard of I, stop i knew you were gonna make an office reference oh and then yeah so then from after school yeah you were like let's go to the city no it was peak recession yo like Uh, 2008 it was peak recession so i didn't realize how horrible that was until like 
actually a couple months ago i'm like oh wow that was a shitty time to graduate um, that is the worst time to graduate <laughs> probably yeah so um luckily the economy was really good in texas so i've moved back to texas mm. so it's here for three years oh, wow. got my shit together as much as a 20 year old can get their shit together right and then um moved to new york i was like i'm ready like let's do this let's fucking do this and your sister yeah. was there yeah she's okay. my anchor uh you know, yeah your sister's back, so sweet yeah she's amazing speaking on back on support system and feeling like um how life can be better somewhere else right when you have support system so um she went to grad school in um i'm sorry in <laughs> new york city uh -huh. um and then she stayed and built her career as an art therapist mm -hmm. so shout out to migs and shout um out. my siblings so um i landed on her couch and never left <laughs> like, i'm here now this is home i had like enough savings to last me and then i'm just like yo i'm gonna be here until as long as new york can have me and then it would end up being like eight years so i love it yeah i um i had enough for savings i went on my like last job interview i had enough for like a one-way ticket home and i was like if i don't get this interview you know it's I been real go. so yeah how many how, how long did it take to get a job oh gosh um i want to say like three or four months okay yeah so that's a pretty i think average times looking it's not a good length like that that's a long time but i feel like yeah. that's a pretty average amount of time to yeah post-recession like um economy too um in new york it took me three or four months in mm -hmm. houston it took me like six months wow at the time so um yeah so i wanted to go for the sense of adventure that's what everybody's like what you move for mm -hmm. like i had somebody who's like did your husband move here for a job i'm like sir please <laughs> absolutely <laughs> not um yeah exactly i was like i can't tell you how wrong you are and i don't have time to tell you how wrong you are um no i just moved for like a sense of adventure i had a lot of friends from college there i had my sister there so i was just like why the fuck not like, right and my parents were like go baby bird you can leave the nest it's okay like you got so good parents yeah they're fucking amazing i love them <laughs> um so they're like we're good like come back when you you're always welcome to come back but like go do you basically yeah. and i did <laughs> i love it it's so sweet so what were some of the highlights of your time in New York? Because that's a oh long time, gosh. eight years. I think years. I'm still trying to process that. Yeah. Um, highlights, uh, found an amazing therapist. Like, I Yay. fucking love my therapist. I was with her for five years. And um, so a lot of growth in terms of, like, emotional growth, professional growth, a lot of um, growth in spiritual growth, like mental growth. Like, there was just so much of that time period where I was able to really – evolve in a way that like would not be possible elsewhere and that's what i'm so grateful about new york so i had uh, my creative community i had like my friends i had uh my routine you know so it was just kind of like building that for myself when i didn't know that was possible mm -hmm. right and there's always that sense of like leaving everything you know and kind of reinventing yourself which has always been like really um a motivator to try shit out you know like nobody knows me here like let right. me do this and there's that sense of romanticism with new york that just kind of inspires you to like do the thing that you want to or because you see other people doing the thing you want to right, right. or why the fuck not like you know not i hate fucking quoting sinatra but it's like if you can make it here you can make it anywhere <laughs> so that's what really built my confidence in myself and yeah. then my art right because i always felt like that came second like my self-healing and mm. my self-growth and then my art was just a result of that, like me doing that. And so, um, so it was an amazing time and, um, it's, it's a hard life. I don't really recommend it to yeah, be perfectly like, honest. Ooh, 
yeah um i say it's really nice to visit but living is another thing i right. the city will break you yes like it's, <laughs> it's polarizing you either like step up or step off you know it's like it's just two things and it's up to you if you want to reinvent yourself it's up to you if you want to build yourself the city will not do that for you mm. but it will be there for you you know when if and when you do or you can leave yeah and um many times where like that's why i have like no shame and crying in public now because i'm just like and what what are you gonna do about it <laughs> i you lived know? in new york for eight years exactly okay. like i had my one crying spot in bryan park because i worked around the corner from oh, there <laughs> we're gonna go visit it together one day <laughs> this is where i come yeah. to cry <laughs> like simpsons kid for whatever <laughs> yeah, <Mel helps>. yeah. <laughs> literally <laughs> yeah i love the internet yeah and so um but yeah, I'm so grateful for everything it's given me because that's where I am right now, right? Mm-hmm. With everything and taking all those hard lessons, taking all that heartache, taking all those like, you know, um, experiences and um, growing from that and to be able to like kind of share that too. And um, I'm just like really grateful for everything. I love it. Oh, thanks. So how did you find yourself healing and ground yourself in your creativity then? Because that's a hard thing to do. It is. Especially in a place like New York. It is. Um, Well, it really did help um, having my sister as a support system. Mm -hmm. It really did help having friends that were going through it uh, with me as well in terms of like they're going through their own stuff, but we can see each other in that. Yes. And and we can like give ourselves space and rest and we can... um, do things outside in the city but like know that like i just got off of work i'm really tired you know like we gave each other space in terms of being able to like grow as well and um and do cool shit together too so you know you do have your like sex in the city nights and so and then you're not in your 20s anymore and then that doesn't happen anymore (laughs) then you're like i'm just want to go home and take off my pants and so still sex in the city night (laughs) (laughs) right um so how did i find my growth Mm -hmm. you said your self-healing which led to your creative growth oh right right so um therapy helped a lot like i shout out yeah honestly really i would not be the same person without it especially because it's like you do the work and you don't see it for a while right because you're just kind of like oh i'm regressing or Mm -hmm. something's happening you learn this language that you kind of already had inside and you learn to find words for that Mm -hmm. and the irony does not fall on me as a writer too because it's just like that's how i process things as well right and so um i had to do the work for myself because i um i think a lot of the diaspora the central american diaspora has a lot of trauma to unpack too Mm. and stuff we don't call as trauma like i think i read something recently that was like poverty as trauma and i'm like holy shit like too real right and so what do you do with all that right and so do you let that define your life do you let that like not and then seeing how that manifests in different parts of your life and seeing like i want to build a life that i um that is not what i've known that i can do things differently and what does that even look like and to have that professional help to be able to guide you through that and turn and then to see it in yourself like what was it i think i was having like an anxiety attack and i was just like these are too many good things going on i don't deserve good things yikes right like i'm waiting for the shoe to drop and that's you know you're that's... really loud right now girl oh sorry no just kidding no i'm just kidding i'm talking about i'm attacked oh i thought you wanted the microphone no no i'm like you're attacking me <laughs> 
Right. No, um, I agree. And I and it's been a lot where my therapist was like, you've worked really hard. Remember X? Remember Y? Remember Z? Remember that other email you sent out? Like, it's okay. These things are it's called the harvest, right? Yeah. Like you're just harvesting all the stuff that you all the work that you've been putting in. And it's just like more tears. And I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. And again, it's being able to find um, that voice of reasoning and that voice of like being in yourself, not just Mm. like somebody else telling you that, but acknowledging that for yourself, because like, what's what's the point of um, of acknowledgement when it's like there's no I don't know how to phrase this, where it's just kind of like acknowledgement is also part of the work right mm-hmm. it's also celebrating that not just like been on survival mode for so long that you right. don't know what it's like outside of that yeah and so um so a lot of my work my artwork just comes from like being able to kind of like process that and reflect that and it's just fun yeah. <laughs> it's just fun you know and I make the gifs because it's just like I it's easy and accessible and or I make the um the embroidery because I wanted to learn that from my mom because I realized like the lineage that that came down from and Mm -hmm. how beautiful that is and it's really fucking satisfying right like starting like a book to finish or end you're like I read this many pages I feel really good about myself you know that's how it feels with like making art and again the joy of just when you put that out in the world too so so I want to uh briefly thank you because I think when we were at the high line Mm -hmm. Uh, we were talking about therapy. I don't know if you remember this. Oh, I talk about it all the time. <laughs> and so I just remember in that moment, I think it was, I guess it was 2016. And I probably had just graduated from college mm-hmm. and I had done therapy a couple times. I'm not really sure what part of 2016 it was in, but I remember like asking you things about anxiety because I still didn't have a lot of people to talk to about right. it. And I was just like, so grateful that you like, acknowledged it for me Mm. and like I didn't feel as alone with mine and so I just like you saying all that I'm like yep this is why I like her (laughs) obviously I like you for many reasons but I remember in that moment you Mm. owned it so confidently Mm. and you were so okay with it that I was like oh I can be okay with this too even though I had just like talked to you online for several years (laughs) and I hadn't met you before but I just remember thinking like wow okay I can do this you know like I'm going through it but you know, people like you give us glimpses of hope um, with things like anxiety and creating and still being a bad bitch, but still not really knowing what you're doing. <laughs> and like cry now and be hard. Right? Later, right? like- <laughs> <laughs> but really, so I just remember that conversation. And then I actually want you to tell us a little bit more about your work because mm-hmm. there's so many different layers. And I love that you say GIF instead of GIF. <laughs> Because that's the proper way to say it. And we have a battle and you're on the right team. Good. So. Right. Welcome to the team. Thanks. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. And I am so glad that um, I could share my plight and be so comfortable with you to be able to do it. Because it is a very personal thing, right? It is. You got to find that like support system in whatever shape way it comes, right? So I'm so glad um, to hear that. So Yay. no, thank you for that. Um, I totally forgot the question. Um, Just tell us <laughs> No, you're fine. Tell us more about your work. You touched oh, on it a little bit, but I, I yeah. remember the first thing I read from you was your zine. And right. it was like, I was so grateful when you sent it to me for free in the mail. I was of like, course. who does this? This is yeah. so nice. And then I was just like, wow. Like to, I remember one of the things you'd written about, like, I think your mom was born by a tree or someone's yeah. corpse was by a tree. And I was just like, the imagery was like 
so amazing and i was like wow like and seeing other people do something makes you think like i could do something like this this is really beautiful so just tell us more about your work and what it covers and and everything about it so i'll illustrate that with precisely the um the conception of uh, the savior because i feel like that really crystallizes Mm -hmm. the creative process so i think as a kid i've always like written down stuff just like i don't want ever to forget right and so and if you Writing it down is archives and proof that you existed, right? Mm. And as immigrants, we don't have that. You know, all the documents were burned or we have like... Right. So I so I didn't know my history. Anyway, write down what I've seen. So when I was in El Salvador 2015, I would take photos and like on my notes, I'll just like write a line or two of like that what really hit me or what really felt. And I put it on my website and um didn't know what the fuck i was doing with my website i'm like it just lives there and it's pretty yeah and so 20 fast forward to 2017 and my dad's like we're gonna go to el salvador and i just by then i started writing i started like doing that for myself for my own healing and to feel like um building my own little home in my words you know and for myself and so uh my dad's like oh my your tío wants to read what you wrote and i'm like well it's on the internet he's like he's in el campo he doesn't have a computer yeah. <laughs> and i was like oh okay they and don't have wi-fi cafes right at the end of the wi-fi yeah and so um so i printed it on paper a lot of my hustles has been like graphic design so um i put it on paper and then i was like oh and then i texted my friends again that support system mm-hmm. that can see all parts of you right when you don't see it for yourself and i'm like right. oh look at this cool thing i made for my theo it's like a little booklet and they're like yo put it on the internet and i'm like why like who, who would want to read this like mm-hmm. it's just me and so and I'm, that's why I'm forever grateful with um, Central American Twitter because um, Zyda from shout out. yeah, shout out to Central American Twitter. Zyda shared it. And um, and I was like, well, anybody who wants it, it can get it. Like, why? Why not? Right. And then I ended up getting like over 100 like requests in like six countries. And I'm just like well, there. <laughs> it blew my mind, especially mm-hmm. because it showed like the need right, right. to see our stories. Mm-hmm. And I was like, anybody who wants to read it should have it. Right. And so that's why I like shipped all these out. And even when I was in El Salvador, I'm like still it, it's always this place of inspiration. And it's always a place to like kind of like keep and write that for myself and the universality that that creates. So, um, so my zines, um, opened up the door, not just in terms of like seeing myself on paper, but being able to like share my family stories on paper. And then the next like world's opening thing where, um, people are connecting to it. People are relating to it. People are sharing their stories with me, Mm -hmm. which is such a beautiful interaction and exchange. So, um, that's why I'm forever grateful for my zine community because they gave me so much. Mm -hmm. They gave me like, um, the support they gave me even fuck. I remember specifically talking with like, Stephorentas from La Liga and like mm-hmm. uh, Barbara Calderon um, from Cosmica Colectiva and I'm just like I don't know what I should title this and they're like I was like I want to call it Vosipota my second zine mm-hmm. they're like then do it and I'm like ah okay yeah you're right <laughs> like I should do these things right and, um, and they're like don't be apologetic with your art you know especially because they make incredible work and they do so many different things that it was just like that's possible mm-hmm. so it's about finding that like peer mentorship too because it's right. like i didn't have a lot of role models growing up yeah. that looked like me talked mm-hmm. like me were shaped like me that were doing the damn thing yeah. and so i found that within my peer group and my creative community that's why i'm forever grateful so zines were a way for me to kind of like have full control in terms of like um the content in terms of the layout in terms of what feels right for me and seeing that reflected out and then that built my community of creatives and um by doing uh vending uh vending markets or um doing um that i was like oh i can expand out i can like also incorporate different elements into that 
So that gave me the confidence as a writer too. And so that's how I've been able to write for these publishings because I was able first to find my voice, second as a writer, second to like share that out with people. So it's all been like the same like, you know, thread in terms of kind of like growing internally and like being able to like share that. So I guess in terms of like my creative process, I just, again, I'm like really writing down like just like my family's history. I'm just really um feel that like it's um necessary in terms of just to like feel like we existed like to feel that we are here in a place that we're kind of in between you know like Mm -hmm. there's we've been in the U.S. for so long it's um it's feels like it's a sense of recovery and recuperating and reclaiming and every time I go to El Salvador I learn something new and I'm writing shit down all the time and um and I'm growing so I guess my creative process comes from a lot of different sources. And I think that's what puts the multidisciplinary hyphen between like the things that I do. Cause Absolutely. I recently, I recently did video work. Right. And Yay. I felt really good and challenging and scary and vulnerable. But at the same time, it felt like that's where the work should live. Right. So, um, and also you always got the imposter syndrome. I always feel like, Oh, well, I'm not a trained artist. I don't have studio experience and da da da. But at the same time, it's just like, I'm an are a writer because I say I'm a writer, period. Right. You know, like <laughs> there's no if and betweens. And it's about owning that and owning the space that you're in, even if it's this nebulous in between transnational, like diasporic like mm. environment. It's like owning that and seeing each other in that. So Right. And that's the beauty in having the support system and mm-hmm. then also becoming a support system for other right. people as well. Because once someone tells you like, Hey, you don't have to be humble about this. Then you're like more prone to own it. Cause somebody else kind of told you and reminded you, and then you carry that fire and mm-hmm. you bring it to someone else. And then it kind of keeps going and going and going. So i um, having the access, having the visibility, having these, you know, even saying I don't have to have gone to a art trained school to still be an artist or a creative or a writer or whatever and really owning that um is really powerful and beautiful and necessary um in this day and age so we're going to get wrapping up even though i really could talk to you all day long yeah Um, just to make a very quick shout out for my sister being the art therapist right it's putting that clinical practice in terms of like what art can do that the accessibility that it is for everybody why the fuck not is art for everybody right? right i just yeah so, no absolutely absolutely i i need to chat with your sister too yeah. i remember when i found out she's an art therapist i was like i need to find one because <laughs> that sounds like everything i love and need yeah it opens you up in ways that you never thought possible in the ways that you're comfortable with right and it's that's the thing with growth is finding ways that makes you uncomfortable but like you come out hopefully transformed on the other side of that yeah for sure mm-hmm. so what's next for you oh Missy gosh Aiden? that's a good question um Oh, gosh. I'm trying to think. Well, I want to continue video work. I have a lot of, like, archival documentary, like, archival footage footage Mm -hmm. that I don't know what to do with in terms of, like, how how should it live and, like, what story I want to tell with that. So there's video work. Um, Maybe working on a third zine. I don't know. Dropping here first. (laughs) I know, right? Like Exclusive. Moving in silence. Fuck that. Like, (laughs) Like, lasagna. (laughs) <laughs> i made that bad joke yesterday during the thing with little wayne what does he say Jessica said <clears throat> moving in silence and then eva said move in silence like the g in lasagna <laughs> what because little, little wayne says that on a song and nobody said anything and i looked at rafa and i was like 
SMH. <laughs> like, I get it, but no. <laughs> I said it quietly. I wasn't trying to be too loud with it. But now you said it again. I'm like, damn it. My head went there again. You're, You're like, now I want lasagna. Yeah, same. I'll make us some. Um, and then you had your video that was recently in the festival, right? Yes. That was your first film yes. festival. Yeah, Yay. that was really exciting because it was not a performance piece, right? You're not reading in front of people. You're not like, you know, mm-hmm. on a panel where you're talking in front of people. It's like, oh, look at this thing I made. I'm going to just sit in the back and like not watch cry. you watch it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have this live natural reaction. So with an audience, um, so I'm thinking video. I'm thinking maybe a third zine. I'm thinking I want to also continue like um, doing more reporting because oh. I just. Yeah. So I feel like there's a lot of stories to tell. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I want to be able to kind of like leverage that access that I have and be kind of like tell the stories that are outside of me. Right. Because I feel like there's so many different um things happening that um would be wonderful just to kind of continue that representation for other people as well not just for myself so yay well i'm so glad you're here i'm so glad you you stopped with us for a little bit yeah thank you so much and hopefully we get to collaborate and do something in the future well i'm in texas now so we're gonna do it is there anything else you want to cover that we didn't get to touch on (coughs) oh that's a good question um i think i'm gonna try to do more capacity work because like okay. now in my very administrative like professional role mm-hmm. like i feel like the access to opportunities and to artists like uh, is necessary in terms of sharing that information right the business side of art for sure and um i feel like in that new role i've been learning a lot how to do that and mm-hmm. so i want to continue sharing that more so even if it means like doing less creative projects but i want to again um share more opportunities share money to artists share like this is possible for you these spaces are for you um then i want to continue advocating for that so um i I guess just like anything that i want to share like secure that bag emotional bag (laughs) you know secure that financial bag like let's just do that and be able to uplift each other in that process so I love it. Where can we find and follow your work? Yes. Um, everything's on my website, which is yeti.com, which is uh, Y-E-I-R-Y. And um, so find me on all the social medias at Yeti Bird. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm on there. Beautiful. Well, thank you so yeah, much for visiting. thank you so much for having me, y'all. De Colores Radio. Absolutely. We're so happy to have you. Oh, You're welcome back you. anytime. Oh, thank you. And we'll have to visit you in Houston soon. <laughs> yes. Yay. Thank you. You're listening to De Colores Radio. So we were planning on doing some Dear Evas, and unfortunately, we've gone way over time. So for our final episode of the year, we will do all the Dear Evas that y'all send in between now and then. This is free 99 advice you get from me. Okay? And it's worth some. So... Send them in. My apologies. I hope you get your answers that you're seeking. I will quickly say, don't text him back, girl. And I will quickly say, if you're just not being friends with them because they're white passing, that's not a good reason. But if they're being shitty, white, privileged, passing people, then that's more to unpack. I'll give you those quick answers. Sorry, Rafa. I know you're like, girl, you said you weren't going to do it. But here I am. All right. So our self-care corner for the week why do I keep making that sound um I have been leaning not leaning into I guess I kind of have I've been having a lot of conflicting feelings and so I realized that that's okay because I feel like so much of what the world stands for is binary and it's like black or white or bad or good or you know all these different very generic 
um, powers. And like, I'm very much, uh, somewhere in between and figuring it out all the time type of person. And I believe in nuance and layers and I discuss those things a lot. So I really, um, had been feeling a lot of conflict with my own personal um, feelings, whether it be in love or friendship or family or what I was planning on doing next in my future and all these different things. And so I really realized that like, that's okay. And I kept trying to like find an answer and get better and like be happy again or not have a problem with this or be cool with them or don't worry about it. And it's like, why? Why am I overstressing myself trying to fix a problem that I did not create just so I can feel better about whatever situation? Um, and so I'm processing these things. And so I feel conflicted and that's okay. And that's where I am currently. And so thanks to having lovely people around me and like some really intuitive people around me, I've been able to also process who I am a lot more this year because I've learned a lot about other people and who I am and then how people see me, which is weird because through the colores, I've kind of gained like a different um, network of people, I guess. And then you're also realizing, and I'm sure German, you probably encounter some of this, and Janice, I'm sure you encounter this, and Rafa, I know encounters this. It gets complicated, It yo. does, and like how people want access to you, and they kind of want to use you, and they don't want to pay you, and they don't want to, you know, and they want exposure, or they just want to call you up and gain whatever they need help with, and it's like, this is a lot. And then realizing, like, are they actually your friends? Are they actually down for you? Are they just going to use you up and spit you out, or they're going to talk shit about you whenever they're done and bored or that you didn't do things the way they wanted them the way they wanted you to um so I've learned a lot from a lot of that and so right now I'm like it's okay to feel confused and unsure and prioritize yourself and what you need because that is fucking hard to do and if you're raised in a culture similar to mine, you don't know how and you're humble and you don't even know how to brag on yourself for a minute, even though you deserve all that and more. Right. Who are you talking to? Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like that happens so often. And so uh, that's my encouragement for this week. That's kind of what I'm leaning into this week and figuring out like what is my next move for myself and no one else. Um, so that is our self-care corner of the week. Yay. All right. Um. Uh, um. All right. <laughs> I, so upcoming the Colores events is next. However, I'm not sure that we have any big upcoming um, event. If we have any little events or things that we are collaborating with other people on, you will likely see it on our Instagram. We're kind of trying to chill for the rest of the year because we've just done a lot. And then we have a lot of big things coming for next year. So thank you all for your support in that. Does anybody have any other personal updates or things they're working on and want to share? no okay thanks dad all right so we're gonna keep on moving do 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 to our brown business or black business or poc business of the week do we have any recommendations from our lovely friends in the room all right pat has one go for it pat um i know i've recently got to meet them at a work event maybe mm -hmm. um yes. i got to meet them when i did outreach with the library for the new um park i can't remember the name Ooh, something plaza in downtown okay. but bell no novo cop beauty how you spell that um 
N-O-U-V-O. It's a black-owned business here in Dallas that's based on, like, doing organic and cruelty-free vegan, um, like, products. I bought some of their facial lotion, and then they had, like, um, toners, and they do a bunch of different stuff. And, I mean, look how pretty. How did you like it? It's. I've been using it for, like, over a month. And it's really, it's like left my skin really smooth. I like make sure I put it in my regimen of my routine when I do my face every night. Nice. Um, And he's super sweet. He was super sweet. Um, I'm totally blanking on your name right now. I'm sorry. But, but yeah, it was really great. Definitely recommend the business. Where do we support them? um, So you can find them at um, bellnovo.com. They have a sale right now with, um, uh, I guess, the Cyber Mondays and all the holidays. But he's a small business based here in Dallas. Um. So it's bellnovo.com, B-E-L-N-O-U-V-O.com. They also have a Instagram, Bellnovo Beauty, B-E-L-N-O-U-V-O Beauty. Um, so yeah, I definitely recommend him. He's super sweet. Like even when I had any questions and stuff, he was like answering immediately and willing to meet up. Um, so yeah, highly recommend. Very dope. Anybody else have anything to add? Maybe one we haven't said. Um, not a black or brown business, but BYP 100 is here Aww, in Dallas. Yay. That is an uh, organization that's black autonomous. It's Black Youth Project 100 um, for black people 18 to 35 years old. And um, yeah, we have our launch party on the 19th. December 19th. December 19th. It's a launch party and a fundraiser. So if anybody um, wants to come out to that, we would love to see some black folks in the building. It's going to be at the South Dallas Cultural Center from 6 to 8. Dope. German? I don't have any immediate business but support your local paletero filming Aww, yay. Your Lotero, remember we wanted to do a documentary on them we should still do it and look she's putting out all our secret projects oh and i'm with delete it, it. <laughs> Bleep. and i'm with it no. um and also support people like german torres who are their own business and hey. they're incredible at what they do hey. and so humble that they don't say it but i will say it for them because they deserve all the work so he obviously does portraiture as well as cinematography all kinds of different work um so yeah shout out to all our our brown and black businesses of the week yay with that said we're finally on who the fuck you got with the coco everybody give it to us in one minute go pat rafa pat so i've been listening to fka twigs magdalene Ooh, are you okay sis um sort of in my feelings but also she does that to you even if you didn't know Which that is it why was why i don't listen like you didn't know you had these feelings and then like even the reason why she like named it magdalene which is like biblical references and like how the bible says portrayed her as like a whore and all these other things Same. so it's just pretty cool to see black youngster yeah and also just fk twigs is amazing and a queen and i feelings? love her um Rafa, but then i've also okay? been reading um the definitive guide to self-care i'm so glad Borgs. you're pulling it out and showing us like because, show and tell this is everything really like there's a show right <laughs> she gives you like tips and stuff and actually had like therapist help with the book so it's not just like somebody saying like this is what i do for self-care yeah. it's literally like no damn okay bitch shit <laughs> <laughs> calm down rude ass says nothing during yeah, self-care like, right pulls out a book on self-care right. and then she doesn't I mean, say that i'm not trying to attack you i promise <laughs> she literally as and no one said shit she looked at me and then said stupid bitch <laughs> oh my god oh i got something for you right <laughs> i just i mean no i do appreciate what eva says because sometimes it does hit close to home and i do take that seriously but it was kind of cool to see <laughs> that this book was okay i'll no. just stop now ah, you don't no. want to do all that <laughs> 
But it is. It, I think she was just excited to share that during this moment, yeah. as opposed to like the moment. Where yeah, it wasn't home. like. Yeah, I wasn't trying to. It was just. You're fine. Just We're funny. messing with but you, Pat. It was just funny. Do our guests have anything Sorry. they want to share? <clears throat> yeah, Rafa. Unless you're ready to go. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, I was. Uh, I've just been listening to the Doja Cat album still. Oh, yeah, is Doja this, Cat this go is hard. new? The new on. one that came out. I need to listen. Yeah. I don't have a download. Yeah, I'm going to give her another and, chance. Uh, I told you I watched that Nardwar interview, and I was yeah. like, all right, my bad, y'all. She's yeah, Doge is dope. And yeah. Partisan Fontaine's underrated album's really good. Why do I know that name? Uh, he's a ghostwriter. He's got a few songs. You okay, know Okay, I'm like, why do I know that? You know him. Um, he's not like, he does, so I don't even think he performs. He's like very low key. He doesn't even go out in public. He keeps his personal life like completely out of the public eye. I love that. He's a ghostwriter. Uh, he's a known ghostwriter for a lot of people in the industry, but. Ghostwriters too? Huh? <laughs> Damn, does. too. But he just dropped uh, an album not too long ago called Underrated, which is a really, you know, it's a pretty good album. Cool. I'll um, be sure and tell you about him in five months when I actually listen. Yeah. And he's huge. When you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, German and Shanice, did y'all have anything you wanted to add? Who we got? Honestly, I think my who you got would have been Watchmen. I, I really do. I've really been enjoying that show. Yay. So I would encourage everyone again to check it out. Check it out, germs. Hmm. I don't know. Hum. <laughs> I don't know who I got. You know who I got? Who do you They've got? been on this podcast. The homies Luna Luna. Aww. Oh, yeah, I've been just so if you guys also don't know, I skateboard. He did. Uh, you could you could skate to their music pretty like chill, pretty chill. So I was actually showing them to a couple friends, and they're like, Yo, we're gonna skate to this on our next video edit. So, ah, that's fun. Luna Luna, homies, yay, we out. love you. And then uh, my who I have, um i've been listening to a lot of diana ross i've been listening to a lot of aretha i've been listening to a lot of carrie foe i think i'm in my feelings um all different kinds of a feelings recipe for feelings um <laughs> uh, but i have been enjoying it um uh, obviously some classics the old legends really have tracks on tracks on tracks you can just rediscover new albums every week if you want to um, but that those are my who you got and I'm finally almost finished with all about love and I love it so much bell hooks is really giving me exactly what I needed this year um, so that wraps it up for us here at the colores radio don't forget to share the podcast and follow us on social media you can check out our website decoloresradio.com I didn't say www subscribe and leave us a darn review Ooh busted we don't need pat no more no i'm just kidding i'm just kidding um like go to apple Podcasts and rate us five stars and write up a review for us we'd love to keep growing so please share it with everyone you know tweet us or just hit us up we love hearing from you all we could not go on without your support come out to our events support our poc businesses uplift our guests tell everyone you love to follow us at the colores co follow german at German Taurus TX. And Shanice at? Barefoot Black Girl. Oh, hey, that's a new thing. Um, if you enjoy our personal thoughts, you can follow me at Eva Arreguin, Rafa at? Exile. Thank you. Wow. And Pat <laughs> at Pat.Arreguin. Our theme song is Cumbia Anthem by Old Dusty. Our audio editor is Mr. 
Tamayo himself. Our intern is Daisy Rincon. And we promise, congrats, Daisy, you're graduating. Yay! It's lit. Your portraits were gorgeous. They, <laughs> we just sneak everything in here. I'm like, you're iconic. Bye. Uh, we promise to keep growing and providing you with entertaining content and, more importantly, a platform for your voices and work to be lifted. Con- Contact us on social media. <laughs> or email no just leave it in bud or email us at the colores collective at, yikes wow oh i'm nasty the colores collective at gmail.com thank you so much again for being with us and join us again next time for our last episode of the year the colores radio yo the colores radio De, de, de Colores Radio.